Um, it can yeah. also start eating through its can. It oh, can also too. start tasting metallic. How long does it have to sit in the can for soda to eat through it? I had a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, but I had friends, their parents used to store them like in the basement or whatever under like the sofa that was down there and they just forgot about them and they were cleaning things out and they had like the cans were destroyed and the concrete, they're lucky they didn't have carpet. <laughs> Because it would have been like... Concrete. They're like, we bought this during the Nixon administration. Let me try this. <laughs> Lovecraftian soda just eating through the floor. <laughs> Fun. I don't, ever... drink, I don't drink much soda anyways anymore, but this is awful. I'm drinking a cherry vanilla <laughs> Coke, and it's awful. Have you guys ever watched... There's a YouTube guy that does like old MRE videos. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. yeah. And some of them he will try... And they're like 40 years old. They don't have... No. I mean, I, I shouldn't say they don't all have... Technically. Some of them do have expiration dates, but yeah. a lot of them do not expire. They're either thermal stabilized or radi- irradiated. So, yeah, yes. you can, you can That's eat what some I of those decades after they're Hey, created. I can't hear myself. <laughs> what yeah, happened? I, yeah, I, I turned you down. <laughs> <laughs> what? Your, th- your throat burps? You think that's... I want what? that to show? The, 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 the mic was against my throat. It wasn't at my mouth. <laughs> that's when you go like... That, that, you, no. don't, you don't understand. <laughs> he does it all the time. Geek Shock has many co-hosts, but Kirsten thinks the star is his burps. Yeah, <laughs> he does. We needed something to replace Paul, and it was obviously going to be my burps. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Jesus. Uh-huh. I don't know about that one, but sure. <laughs> right. You know, with the Paul show became the Burp show. Actually, you're correct because I replaced Bongo, so we need someone to replace Paul. Yeah, right? it's, it's uh, so it's the Burps, right? There Kirsten, you know. the Burps. You know, introduce right. the Burps. Look, I'll be the first to admit I don't have the repertoire that Paul has. <laughs> you know, just just that 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 good Bill Cosby that can be manipulated into any number of different voices. I don't think you should use the words no. Bill Cosby and manipulated <laughs> well, in meant, the same no. sentence. I, meant that I don't think you should either. Good hey, Bill Cosby. now, okay? Just good Bill Cosby <laughs> impression. Okay. The good Bill Cosby impression that he manipulates into everything else. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. Remember, well, that's remember fair. when we... I, the, God, it was so funny one time when uh, um, uh, Luddite actually called him on that <laughs> and, and said that's just that's just your cosby and paul was all fuck you table flip yeah yeah he, fuck you guys and oh, my impressions are all bill cosby fuck you <laughs> now that you say that they are <laughs> they're, just, they're I'm going through a lot like a 80 lot percent of them, of them a lot of a his lot voices. yeah a lot of his voices not all bill cosby but they have a core start yeah. point and then they branch off from there yeah. to become the other impressions yeah, yeah. but there's only about yeah. four like solid like core impressions that turn into all these other different you know, actors and, or and, characters and hell that's really that's all you need exactly yeah. yeah you know whatever works rich little only had three impressions when it comes down to it oh my god right? his nixon his carson and they're pretty much the same thing he just pursed his lips a little more actually yeah. he he really did it's funny because i grew up loving rich little but i did hit that realization at one point where it's like these that 
that was pretty much what he just did. <laughs> and, you know, I, I couldn't bring myself to be angry at him, but it was, it was, a, it was a moment. Don't meet your heroes. And yeah. I didn't even meet him. Now, Michael Winslow, I think that man is a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Uh, I uh, saw Michael Winslow do his stand-up one time, Ben. I was wow. living in the Kansas City area. It was actually really goddamn funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, the, the, going in, it's like, okay, so how much of the show is just going to be him doing the, the vocal work? Because I hadn't seen any of his stand-up before. I'd only seen, you know, the Police Academy movies and then whatever movie or TV show he did a guest star on. But... Uh, he has some really solid material. And then the very last like five minutes of the show is him doing basically imp- a sound impression stuff. Sound effects and then, beatboxing. And then he finishes it off doing a Jimi Hendrix guitar impression. You know, he does the headband around his head and send him off guitar. wanting more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, he was yeah. pretty damn funny. <laughs> I, I got to admit. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 607. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. And Deb. And we're here to talk week and geek. I, I love it. This is kind of, you know, we're coring it here a little bit. We're the, the, the calm before the berry, if you will. We're, we're yeah. coring it like an apple or... Uh, well, there's other corings, I guess. Okay. Ones that come to mind that I won't bring up. At least it's not a calling. Oh. That, that'd be bad. <laughs> or a cornholing. That's yeah. not, not really... Hey, wow. cornhole is it's a the fun game. game. <laughs> well, in Indiana, they all make it a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Geek Shock Book Club has their poll has come to a close. The October book, which I always, always insist being a horror novel, is The Fireman by Joe Hill, son of Stephen King. So we've gone from a Stephen King book to the son of Stephen King book, and the son of Stephen King book is actually a horror novel this time. Cool. Discussions open on the 8th. In the meantime, happy reading. Now, uh, I, I just want to throw a quick uh, fuck you out to Barry. Uh, I'll second that. Fuck you, thank Barry. Thank you. I, I needed a second. I'll third it. Wonderful. I, I like that we have a consensus here. What are we, what are we fucking him for? Okay, last. Motion carry. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We do have a fuck you quorum. <laughs> I noticed Deb abstained. So, well, <laughs> dude, dude, Deb's Deb's vote is silently understood. <laughs> Trust me, she didn't vote present. Um, she's all in. Um, so Barry last week brought us that. Bullshit! What's going in my mouth? Oh, it's delicious! Right, exactly. The oh, no. what goes completely against what going in my mouth. The whole theme of it ever was. So, if, if somebody doesn't understand the show, then it's it's Barry. Yeah, yeah. And 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 considering that that's also against everything Barry stands for. Right. He did something nice, but <laughs> now that I now that this has happened, I realize it wasn't something nice. He was baiting oh. people. Oh. Because this week. We got sent some bullshit Woo-hoo. for what's going in my mouth. My friends, I have here lobster candy, individually wrapped, sent to Ooh. us by Chris the Microscope, quickly through Amazon Prime, I might admit. He, he, wow. He fast-tracked this to us. Uh, a, a little note, uh, you guys decided to bring back what's going in my mouth, so here you go from Chris the goddamn Microscope. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, folks, I think you're fine. Folks, you're missing a great picture of Matt struggling to be quiet. <laughs> See, I've handed the package over to Matt because I didn't bother to open it. He's trying to open it as quietly as he can. And after last week's 
ice debacle. I appreciate it very, very much. So here he is. Uh, it's from Archie McPhee, so you know it's good. Mm-hmm. Archie, Archie McPhee. If you don't know Archie McPhee, uh, go onto their website and subscribe to their catalog immediately. They are a, a, a jokester's loving mother. Um, lobster candy individually wrapped. They look like regular little orange hard candies. Orange and white striped. The kind of thing you'd see around Christmas time. Just absolutely inconspicuous. Oh, I was going to say inconceivable, but uh, well, sure, inconspicuous. But we know. We see what the package costs. So I'm opening up mine right now. Everyone's going there. You, you can hear the action happening. I'm having right. a problem over here. Matt, Matt has decided to open it the Canuck way. I might have to. <laughs> and, and using his teeth as he did to strip bark off of trees, apparently. <laughs> Oh my God! Why is it? Oh Christ! And you can I just smelled it. It, it is, smells. Yeah. Yeah. One, to, to say it smells fishy is both literal and figurative. Once upon a time, I, I found some brain mints, some zombie mints that were supposed to taste like brain or whatever, and they were horrible. It had kind of this dog foodie flavor. Uh, this kind of smells like that. Uh, I like that. There's. Uh, we have tissue, apparently. There's also uh, things to throw it in no, with, no, no, before no. we vomit. Oh, you're gonna go Even the whole way. Men, let's go, and, and women. You, uh-huh. You're gonna go. You're gonna go the whole way, huh? <laughs> All right, then. This is how you properly deal what's going in your mouth. Uh, have you ever watched the old show? Because wow. that's not how they always did it. You well, say I that can't. to all the girls, Matt. <laughs> I I can't eat it. Eat it because of my Invisalign. Oh my oh, god! I, I am gonna join you in t- at least tasting it, but <laughs> just gonna give it a little lick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, ah. and, and Matt's going to keep it in his mouth for the whole show so it completely dissolves. <laughs> that way you can tell if there's a creamy center in there or not. Oh, God. God. Oh, so it's the Carolina Reaper thing all over again, right? <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> all right. So, oh, it's uh, bad. How- <laughs> I still remember that. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> you mean the show that never happened? Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Hey, we got most of it. <laughs> Barry and I were there. Yeah. Barry and you were there. Yeah. I'm all sorry. right. I'm sorry. I still apologize for that. Okay. So on three, one, two, three, taste it. Okay, that's pretty awful. Oh, God. Oh, wow. What's wild? It lingers. No, what's wild is if you keep it in your mouth, it tastes more and more like lobster. Yeah, it does. The longer it's in there. In a really weird way. Oh, my God. Yeah. And like, what's what's weird is it's not in a horrible way. No. But what's awful is that I have this... Hard candy. This popper screen in front of my mic and it's bouncing my breath back into my face <laughs> and it's absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Wow. Dude. It's not good, but... It's, nope. I'm taking it out now. I've, I've had enough. <laughs> but what's wild <clears throat> is, yes, that is fucking lobster candy. There, there's no two ways around it. It's not like the brains things like, oh, they just kind of had a dog foodie thing. Somehow they made this taste like a lobster. So uh, I'm gonna double down with the cherry vanilla. Let's oh, there see. you go. Wash that down with with a little. I have regular little... Coke or regular cherry Coke if you so want. So this it. is this is what they hand out on Halloween in Maine. Damn. Wow. Okay. Ugh. So how how do they do that? I, I'm I'm very curious myself. And it almost started to they have like it. a buttery flavor. To yes, it. that was the first thing that hit was the butter, and then the lobster kicked in, and I'm like, and oh. this, and then the sugar, and I'm like, wait a minute. Because I do like lobster, and I do like lobster with butter, but as soon as that sweet kicked in, I was like, nope. Yep. Nope. You're right. That's what put it over the edge into very gaggy territory, mm-hmm. is the sweetness. And it wasn't overly sweet. No. Who sent this in again? 
And Matt's still going, right? You still yeah. got it in there? I was so impressed by you. Oh Matt. my god! Uh, that it's was. Um, he can't smell anything, which means his plate, <laughs> his taste buds are also not that great. No, that's not correct. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can taste a lot of things. You can taste it doesn't mean you can taste it well. <laughs> so Chris, Microscoop himself, uh, thank you uh, for sending that to us. Um, Listen, I'm going to throw the gauntlet down there. If this is the best you guys got, I'm (gasps) Shut your mouth. No, you can do... Okay, listen. (laughs) Listen, Jeff. I won't put you through it, but I will taste... If if it's safely wrapped and not tampered with and fucking all that shit, we'll make it We'll make it a reward level. (laughs) (laughs) That's safe. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I think people would donate just to to get Matt to try terrible things. That's why I'm saying it's safe. There's no way to donate. Um, (laughs) uh, No. So, again, thank you, Chris. And I I guess this means that what's going in my mouth is officially a thing again on the show. All right. So, one, thank you. Fuck you, Barry. and, And thank you, Chris, for following up. Wow. It's uh, Kirsten brought an actual peppermint. Yes, uh, thank you, Jeff, for having Jason's Deli peppermint <laughs> sitting right there on your kitchen counter. Because <laughs> why do you think Guess they're there? Going in my, because I, you're eating lobster candy <laughs> all yeah, day. Yes, I, I hope yes, not. No, right. mostly it's just because like I get something that I don't like. I'm like, oh, there's mints right here. <laughs> but you said it like you were expecting this. Mm, nobody expects this. the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> nobody expects <laughs> lobster candy. Ain't that the fucking truth? Chief element is surprise. So fear and surprise. Mm. Now that that horribleness is over with, mm, mm. what kicky things did you do this week? Uh, we'll, we'll start with the obvious, Matt. Absolutely nothing. That's what I thought. All right. Actually, I went to War Room Games. And that's oh, all I did. The brand new. What do we think of the new War Room Games thing, man? Uh, half of it's still under construction, but I do it like is. it. I do like it. So a lot more tables, which is nice. We'll be on that in my unpainted figures against your superbly painted figures. Uh-huh. Minus five for unpainted. I don't know what that was all about, but uh, if you guys are here, Deb's just slapping her thigh like you idiot. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> she did it again. At least, she did at it least again. say something. What? I have a figure at home that I'm supposed to bring oh, and ask shit. if you'll paint, and I keep forgetting to bring it. <laughs> I wow. forgot last week, and I forgot today. Noted. There you go. And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we we'll, we'll put that in the group thread for next week. <laughs> oh, and Deb, comma, don't forget the ping the figure with you. <laughs> Always down for a commission. So, yeah, we'll talk. Okay. Uh, so, uh, now that we know what Matt's done or hasn't done, uh, we'll move on. Aside from forgetting the figure, what did you do this week, Deb? So, I've gotten in some reading. Um, I did finally start The Citadel of the Fallen, the book that's by Jeff Conkle. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. Um, I'm about 80 pages in. Um, and I don't want to give a full review until I completely finish it. Mm. But I definitely... Um, you know, it's his very first novel. Um, that alone makes it impressive to me um, that he actually put forth, you know, the time and energy and effort to get his thoughts on paper into a, into a manner that other people can read them. Mm. So that alone earns a lot of respect for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can kind of, so I'm, he's still introducing some of the characters and they're just starting to get into the story. So um, I will give a deep, deeper review later but so far i am intrigued by everything he's laying out in the story so i can't wait to see what happens and then um this one i haven't picked up yet but um naomi novik has her second book of the deadly education well second book it's the sequel to deadly education 
It's the Scholomance series. And if you have not picked up Deadly Education, it is a very quick read. I enjoyed it immensely. It's one of those reads that you can get through really fast. Um, and it's just fun the whole way. And you like almost, well, at least for me, you almost instantaneously enjoy like the main character and her her snippy attitude and just, it's good. And I did get to the end thinking, because it was suggested by a friend and I thought it was an only book. And I was like, you can't end it this way if it's an only book. And then I read at the end and it said, you know, book two coming out. And I'm like, yes, it came out yesterday. You know so, it's a good book if that's your reaction to yes. that. So the ending. It's one I, of those stories that like, I just want to, okay, what else is going to happen? So, um, so so tell me a little bit about the bones of Skullmance. What's, what's So the Skullmance is a school that was created by magic users long ago. And essentially what it is in this world, kids, as they're growing up, once they hit puberty... It's in Eastern Plaguelands. No. Once they hit puberty, they are emitting so much magical energy that they are um, beasts and monsters are attracted to them and want to kill them. Oh. So long ago, they created the school to help protect the kids while they're in puberty stage. So they're in the school for like four years. Um, it might be a little bit longer. I might be remembering that wrong. But um, And there's no teachers. The school is magically built. Yeah, the school uh-huh. is magically built. The way that the school, it trains them and teaches them how to survive. Most Battle Royale. Kind of. Holy Not every kid that goes balls. in leaves. A lot oh, of them die. Oh my God, suddenly I like this story. Yeah, a lot of them end up dying. It's about teaching from experience. And, um, you know, the kids that grew up in big, huge enclaves are more protected because they have shared power. And then you've got these kids that are from individual families all by themselves who have no friends. And they they can only bring in the, in with them like what fits on them personally and a certain amount of weight. And a magical spell just transports them immediately into the school. So they don't necessarily know when it's going to happen. And they can only have so much weight on them because it will not transport more than that. And they have, they're there. They are now in the school for like five years. So it's a, it's a good story. I'm pretty sold on this. Yeah. She sat there and went, Harry Potter, <laughs> Battle Royale. I accept that there is, log line. There, there's, there's a Hollywood movie deal in here mm-hmm. somewhere. That's a, that's a great elevator pitch right there. <laughs> and, there's no, and there's no adults. There's no teachers. The school teaches the kids. And mm. the school kind of like leaves things, you know, for them to kind of find. They have to learn all these different things. And if someone says accidentally, you know, so I was going to start learning Chinese. Now all of their coursework is in Chinese and they have to learn Chinese and they can't progress in any of their teachings or learnings until they learn Chinese. Yeah. Just it's like cra- my school it's crazy. back in the day. So all of a sudden a magical TV rolls in and a video starts playing, right? No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> you mean yeah. a substitute teacher? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. No. Yeah, it just rolls but, in uh, there. But Matt, your character is in a lot of trouble when he talks about his unpainted figs. <laughs> <laughs> you have to paint your figures before you can understand the rest of the lesson. But yeah, so I'm excited to, to pick up book two, but I wanted to get wow. through um, Jeff's books first. So that way I can, you know, give him an, my honest attention and stuff. And then I did get to catch up on some TV yesterday Ooh. while, Ooh. you know, Matt and Paulette were out buying things for the backyard. Um, I watch, I started watching the Mysterious Benedict Society on Disney+. Plus. Hmm. Um, I know it's like a show made for kids. I tend to like some of those shows um but i am enjoying it so far i am two episodes in um it's a very they have written the story very intelligently and the children they have acting um at least 
appearance wise um, can carry it pretty well. Um, so I'm intrigued to see kind of what they do with the story. But um, yeah, I have, I have to admit it, it's caught my eye. It's 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 awakened the Goonies fan in me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's you know good hearted fun because it is written for kids. Um, so there's some cheesy things there here and there, but so far there's definitely that air of mystery in the background and like that story that, that you know that mystery they're trying to solve and figure out, and it is intriguing. All right. When I'm wagging my butt, you know it's good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeff, what'd you do this week? Well, um, I, I'm probably a little late to the party here, but oh um, shit, uh, Doom Patrol started back up for their third season, and uh, so I did get caught up on the first three episodes. I haven't watched um, that yet. There's only four episodes up right now, so they're doing the, I guess they're doing the weekly thing, even though it's on HBO Max, which was kind of surprising to me. I was like, wait a minute, didn't they drop the whole season last year? But anyway. They didn't do that with Titans, so. Okay, so yeah, they're following the Titans schedule. Um, this last episode was interesting because I believe in Red Light, Green Light, we talked about Dead Boys Detective Agency. Yes. It's based on the comic. I think that this last episode's the introduction for the characters because they do a case with the Dead Boys Detective Agency. Yeah, in, in that pitch, in they did episode. say they were bringing those characters to that. So, but yeah. whether they're basing the show on that right. is in the air. So I don't know if it's going to be the same actors that were in this, but I was like, okay, I could kind of see this becoming a series. So um, that for sure. Um, I did uh, also uh, get caught up on... Um, uh, Only Murders in the Building, which I still think is a fantastic series. It looks like Steve has finally started watching that because he had a, a a vague post on Facebook today yeah, about not knowing whether he was Steve Martin or Martin Short. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, because he, he does kind of strike me as kind of a combination of those two characters when, you know, when we've hung out with him. Uh, of course, the uh, most recent episode of Marvel What If I watched uh, this week, I think think without being spoilery that this is definitely trying to connect this series that was supposed to be just kind of this one-offs to multiverse of madness so mm. i'm i'm fascinated to see it because i this is episode eight i don't know if there's more episodes i need to look that up but this definitely looks like it plays right into what we've seen so far in the other disney plus marvel series the last couple movies, including Shang-Chi, and now this. And I'm like, hmm, I'm interested to see where they go with this whole multiverse thing. So so it's Eternals is next, right? And then the next Spider-Man? Yes. Well, yeah. Um, and then Doctor Strange. Yes, I believe so. I believe you're correct in that order. Okay, so they have three more, well, two more movies after this show yes. to get to. Well, then the Hawkeye. Right. Hawkeye series. That comes out in December, I think? Yeah. Yeah, the Disney Plus series Hawkeye is coming up pretty quick. Um, okay, so Kirsten just looked it up. Apparently there is going to be nine total episodes of uh, What If. So I'm a bit surprised. Cause yeah, I, I thought they were going to round it out at eight. I, I assumed it was already over. I thought they stopped at six. No. <laughs> That's how eight much episodes. I've been paying attention to it. And then the uh, the last thing was just kind of a uh, a, a happy discovery Ooh. that I found on uh, Facebook. So little backstory to this: uh, about 22, 23 years ago, when I was in film school, 
and uh, was introduced to nonlinear editing, I had this wild idea about um, doing a compilation video of this stupid device that you see in all these movies, all these sci-fi movies, um, which they actually bring it up in uh, Airplane 2. As they look at the device and say, it just seems to have red light that's go back and forth. Other than that, it has no purpose whatsoever. Um, I saw, I remember seeing that thing in so many goddamn sci-fi movies, especially in the 70s and 80s, as well as TV shows. And I always thought back then that would be a really fun thing to do is to try to find every instance of this piece of equipment, this sci-fi equipment that I, I'm pretty sure came from one of the rental studios in L.A. because it spans all these different... Um, uh, studios production so it's not just exclusive to like Paramount or Warner's etc so uh, last week as I'm going through you know the recommended videos um, somebody by the name of Major Grin has put up a video of a compilation of appearances of this device and the the title of the YouTube video is the most important device in the universe <laughs> blinking tubes without function uh, new compilation so uh, it's really fascinating. Um, it shows all the different appearances that had been in the TNG era Star Trek, uh, from TNG all the way through Voyager, Enterprise, etc. Uh, appearances in uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, V, Last Starfighter. I mean, the list goes on and on. But you've seen this. And if you watch the video, you'll know what I'm talking about. I'm sure many of the listeners right now already know what I'm talking about just from that brief description. But it was fun that somebody actually took that idea that I had. You know, it's one of those great minds think alike kind of moments and actually did it because I'd kind of forgotten about it because <laughs> back then it would have been a lot more difficult. It would have been a lot of yeah. browsing God, of yeah. a lot of VHS tapes. Mm -hmm. But now in the digital age where almost every one of these movies and TV shows is available streaming or, you know, online, it's in many of these we have in our own collections now. Uh, it was, I won't say it's easy to do, but it was definitely easier uh, than the 90s. much more doable yes. <laughs> than what I would have tried to do in the late 90s. So, dude, so I, kudos I, to this major grin for, for, for doing this. I know a guy, I knew a guy at school in the 80s who did a fan cut of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, wow. Where he, he incorporated, you know, the special edition stuff and oh. reincorporated the stuff that they took out in the 80s. Wow. Wow. That's like VHS that Damn. he was working with. Yeah. So like what did he cutting get? film together and shit, probably. Yeah. Exactly. Because, yeah, you'd have to cut the film or get from the laser disc and trans... Like that to film, and we're God, talking the RCA video, the RCA video discs. Yeah, so it's a it it it's quite the challenge. It somebody did that then. Wow. Yeah, excuse me, uh, lobster coming back. Um, nowadays, when you think about it, it's just like so much easier. Oh yeah, for people, and it's still quite the time commitment. Yeah, it's 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 probably tens to hundreds of hours. Yeah, putting together. <laughs> Was his yeah, family like you know, I thought our for son like a was five dead. minute video. <laughs> yeah, really. And and by the way, boy. all the all the all the show references you mentioned, you you didn't mention lower decks. Oh yeah, it was in the background. <laughs> well, they did. They actually did uh, show that scene in lower decks. Yes, so. they did. Is it the I collector just episode. Yeah, yeah. It's in there. It's in there. It uh, actually, it's um, uh, 
it's the episode where they have to do the the audit of oh, personal yeah. items. Oh, that one. Yes. Where all the officers the, leave the, their stuff that yeah, they yeah, collected. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it, that was a funny one. God, that was that was utterly ridiculous. But yeah, and it shows up a lot. That it's like constantly. That I think this guy grabbed every time it showed up. Mariner really got her come up in that oh one. Oh my god, she was the one that was getting pretty much tortured through that whole that episode. Was, that was great. Good it was episode. pretty awesome. <laughs> Uh, well, again, a big thank you to Chris because the taste in my mouth has not gone away. It hasn't. I, I've, I've, I've drunk so much soda trying to just get it away. You have it's, another one in your bag. Do you want it? It's not working. Now, I'll get that in a, in a bit. It's not that I'm out of soda. Oh, okay. It's, <laughs> it's just that it's not working. Yeah. So bad. Come on, guys. Jeez. It's almost like it's turned into like a almost a burnt buttery flavor <laughs> yeah, maybe okay. it, it could also be my El Pollo Loco that I had right before I ate that thing true but yeah true you you gave your palate a head start yeah uh Matt is this still in your mouth gone wow like you it's went away what what was the finish just lobster. Oh, okay. Not nothing special. There was no like lobster chunk in the middle or oh, red lobster buttery oh. biscuit. You know, closer like, there. Like the B fifty twos dancing on your palate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much <laughs> that chaos. <laughs> Rock lobster. Well, a couple of weeks ago, my wife for my birthday took me someplace I've been wanting to go for a good while, and I finally got to go, and it's so excited. I'm so happy to share it with you. I went to Tom Devlin's Monster Museum in Boulder City. Oh, nice. Uh, it is a little roadside attraction. Uh, if you're heading to Lake Mead from Las Vegas, uh, if, if you're not familiar, Boulder City is a small town just outside of Las Vegas. Uh, they outlawed gambling there ages ago, and it's still illegal to gamble in that town. One of the few in Nevada that yep. you cannot gamble. Uh, but you have to go through the small town to get to Lake Mead or to Hoover Dam. Well, now there's a bypass now that bypasses Boulder City. So you don't have to go through ah. Boulder City anymore. So if you want to go to this, you do actually have to make sure you follow the exits for Boulder City. I think the old highway towards the dam. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so so Lake Mead then, in other words. Yeah. If, you want, if you're going to Lake Mead and you want to stop, make sure you exit at Boulder, uh, Boulder City, rather. Well, come on, guys. Because um, otherwise Mead. you can... Yeah, it's so easy to just drive right past that it now. That interchange I is crazy. Yeah. Because you have no clue what the fuck you're doing, and you're just like trusting to the gods. <laughs> I mean, I literally... The last time I was down in that area, I flew right past it. I and did, I'm like, too. I'm crossing the bridge... By the Hoover Dam, and I'm like, wait a minute, did I miss Boulder City? I'm, I'm in Arizona. I'm <laughs> running down this highway. I had to turn miles around. upon miles of electric pylons. Yep. And desert, <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck? And finally, I did. You know those U-turns that they say yep. not for not for you. For police to use. only, emergency yeah. vehicles only. Yeah, I used it because I was like, <gasps> I'm I'm going nowhere. I don't see any hope anywhere in the horizon. Am I going mad? Am I the only person here that uses Google Maps when they drive? No. Yes. <laughs> Barry doesn't. He won't drive without Google Maps. And in places he's lived a very long time. Oh, okay. Yes. I'm not that extreme. Oh, it drives me crazy. <laughs> he's like, oh, wait, we're in the car. I've got to go to my mom's. Let me use my Google Maps. Oh, dude. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that sounds like Barry. Noted. Yeah. There, um, there's got to be a way we can hack his Google Maps. <laughs> Before he switches to Wave. Uh, so Tom Devlin's Monster Museum. Wonderful. Charming. 
kitschy. Everything you want in a classic roadside attraction. Tom Devlin is a FX horror effects guy, right? Uh, he mostly has worked on Asylum Pictures, right? right? So Asylum being that that cheap horror knockoff yes. company that puts movie after movie out. Uh, he's also worked on Full Moon Productions. He worked on the last couple uh, Puppet Master films, for example. Uh, so most of his work has been in B-movies. Uh, but he's amassed a small collection of th- stuff he's worked on and some other things. And he's put this museum together that is part a collection of his work and part wax museum of other FX masters works. So even though it's, it shows the various monsters, classic universal horror stuff, killer clowns from outer space, um, just, and who it more concentrates on who made them versus about the shows themselves. So it more focuses on Tom Savini on the creators. Right. Uh, So that's really cool. The museum's not huge by any means. But it is very fun, super charming, and it has just amount of the wax figures aren't quite right to oh, it yeah. that I absolutely adore in these kind of attractions. It's not like Madame Tussauds where everything is perfect. It's a recreation of that actor and nothing has been missed. This is like Tom Devlin has created these characters and they're almost there. Is this like, uh, you remember like uh, in L.A., I want to say about 25, 30 years ago, they had uh, the uh, original Star Trek TV series Bridge Recreation with the wax figures, and none of them looked like their characters. It's along those lines. It's, It's the kind of thing, it's the kind of attraction you would find at, say, Niagara Falls or yes. Gatlinburg or Branson. One of those things that are like just enough. Yeah, it's just enough to be worth the money. That's what actually gave me pause the first time you said that we should go check out Madame Tussauds because I'm like, I don't know. My experiences with wax museums haven't been that great before. <laughs> but Tussauds gets it right. So, But it's great. And he's also opening up a haunted house for the haunt season. So that's opening up very soon. And he's also opening up a makeup effects school. Oh, he did reopen that. Okay. So the signage is there. I don't know if he's opened it up for classes yet, but the infrastructure is there for when he's ready to go again. Out at the same place where the museum is? Same exact place. Yeah, he was doing some uh, classes right before the pandemic shut everything down. So I don't know if he's, I didn't know if he was back to that, but. Yeah, I'm glad. I, I'm glad. And uh, so I went there with my wife. We had a wonderful time just taking pictures after pictures. Right now they have, uh, they're go- they're, it looks like they're going to have some traveling exhibits come through. Right now there is an exhibit of that's just based on Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's all authentic props from Nightmare on Elm Street in one room. It costs like five extra bucks to have access to that room where the rest of the museum I you think cost that, right? tw- yeah. Okay, yeah cost 20 and was it worth the extra five bucks yeah it's five bucks and to be close to these great props uh, my favorite one in that room being the comic book superhero Freddy from Freddy's Dead number six uh, the most ridiculous of all the Freddy movies but having super Freddy that costume there was just mwah, wonderful to see up close so if you're in Vegas it's a half-hour drive from the center of Vegas to get to Boulder City. If horror movies and monster makeup is your jam, you can do much worse. It is, it is a 
definitely a fun, fun time and very atmospheric. I couldn't, uh, I look forward to going back. And I will say the one thing in there that is the most beautiful thing above all the rest is if you remember the creep show movie poster, the, the ticket taker with the, that has the skeleton face, he has recreated that booth to a T. It is nice. perfectly done. So much better than his Pennywise. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it, it's, it's nice when there's proper roadside attractions like that because those are starting to disappear yes. more and more as we get into the you know, mid part of the 21st century here. Yeah. I wish him nothing Closer but to. success. He deserves a lot of work and a lot of love with, into this place. And if that's your jam, don't miss it because I worry that these kind of things don't last long. Uh, because of, of the locations it's in, I think it has a chance to last longer than most Vegas attractions right. because Vegas attractions are expensive. The land cost and the rental is ridiculous. Yep. That's why that haunted house that, uh, what's his name, made of... Zach Baggins? No, that's still oh. doing okay. That's away from everything a little bit. But the one that closed years ago... Eli Roth. Uh, yeah, Eli Roth made. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was a fun and interesting attraction, but boy, it didn't last a year. Yep. We, uh, we know people that worked there, and it was just like slowly, slowly faded into obscurity. Yeah, it sounded like any number of places I worked at, but it was over a course of like months rather than yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it, it seemed like one of those things that they, like all Vegas attractions, it opens strong and fully staffed, and a year later, it's at half staff and half price. So... Yep. Or half staff and double price, depending. Double price, generally, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the other thing I did, uh, not this week, but the week prior, is I saw one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. One of the most intense, uh, near-horror-yet-satire experiences that only Korea and Japan can really do. And in this case, it's Korea. Uh, and apparently it's shooting just gangbusters for the streaming channel and that's Netflix and the show's called Squid Games. I heard about this one. Squid Games is incredible. It's that wonderful genre that East Asia does so well and America tries to steal every now and then and just craps on it. And that is the survival game show. We're, we're, we bought a Battle Royale earlier. That's like prime example. But yep. it's along that same line where a group of people, in this case, everyone who is heavily in debt has been promised to have their uh, debt wiped or actually make a whole lot of money if they engage themselves in these games. And, of course, uh, you might not survive it. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, this stuff, it's, it's all pretty much just, you know, about the toxic nature of societal structures, right? Yes. That's what they're all about. When you even get to a Hunger Games, that's what it's about. And this one is done so well and so tense. Uh, I was about three or four episodes, about three episodes in, uh, when my wife started uh, looking over my shoulder at what I was watching. And at that point, she plopped herself down. And it's the first time I've ever seen her sit down through not only a whole series, but one that was all captioned. 
because it's all in Korean. You can you have the option to watch it in English. I hate those though. But yeah, I it's can't stand horrible. when it doesn't match. So mm-hmm. so I always have to watch it with closed captions. No, not me. I can't. I don't want to read. I don't want to read when I'm watching something. <laughs> but yeah. And, yeah. and neither does she. But she was more than glad to for this one, and she oh she was riveted, and as was I. This is one of the most wonderfully tense versions of this kind of story I have seen. And what makes it wonderful is all the games are kids' games. Stuff like red light, green light, for example. But if you walk on a red light, you get shot, well, right? Or something like that? Very similar to yeah. that. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's what that is. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this a game show or is this a movie about crazy? It's a TV show like... Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's a drama. Yeah. It's not an actual game No, they're show. killing people, Carson. Oh, okay. They're okay. killing people. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Korea and Japan? <laughs> And Netflix is okay putting it on television yeah. in America. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, yes, it is written drama, and it is the first season. Um, although the director has said he's a no when the second season is ever going to come so out. Shows like that just make me so anxious when I watch them. And you will. Oh, the, see, I. This one is super, super tense. See, if I'm stressed at all in like real life, I cannot watch those shows because it just makes it worse because I'm just like, oh my God. Amps your Can't watch this. Levels up. <laughs> yes. And it does a wonderful job because these shows tend to be ensemble shows where you have multiple characters that you're following because not everyone's going to make it. But the show does a wonderful job of introducing that first character in that first episode that it just concentrates just on him and then it widens things out toward the end and then gradually introduces everything else. It does it so wonderfully organically that you are swallowed into this the shit that this man has got himself into, and he has. Everyone here has gotten themselves into their own shit. Uh, but also feeling sympathetic for everything he's going through. So it does a really good job of sealing you to one of the main characters. Parasite was like that too. Yes. Yeah, yeah I had a very Parasite vibe to this. Yeah, okay. So, so if you've looked at Squid Games on Netflix and said, ah, that maybe, do it. It's great. Don't miss it. The other day I was like, oh, Squid Games. Never watch it though. And but. apparently, uh, the numbers aren't final, but this is looking to be the most popular show on Netflix ever. Even over wow. uh, the Gambit, the yeah. chess, really? Yeah. That, Queen's Gambit. Yeah. That was a good show. Yeah. And it's higher than that. Yeah. The, the, the numbers on this thing, the, their, Netflix is even surprised by the amount of attention this is getting. Well, shows like that intrigue oh, people. Oh, boy. So, so don't like miss death. it. Two it's, seasons, canceled watch. The buzz is there. I'll be surprised if there's a second season. Yeah. I don't think it was conceived with a second season. Okay. I mean, a but lot it doesn't of, need it. A lot of shows like from that market, I think, too, are built that way. I mean, just like the UK used to make series where they only meant were meant to last like two or maybe three, and that's it. Tops. You know, it was only the US that made shows that lasted forever. So shows should last as long as they need to. Exactly. Not like Supernatural, which <laughs> really That's what I was thinking of. I'm like, I love okay, I loved that show. I am I watched it the whole time. I watched every season. And I loved it probably until about season 10. Oh. It was originally supposed to end at season five. And it was a very coherent, cohesive story. And they did a really good job after that carrying it through. But once I got to season 10, I was like, okay, guys, we all love you, but please just stop. Didn't and it then go to like 15 or something? It went like to that? 15. <laughs> wow. It got, so it got to the point where um, Eric Kripke, I think, was the creative the executive producer, pretty much said, as long as they want to make the show, we'll make the show because that's how popular it was for CW. So they continued making the show until Jensen Eccles and, and uh, 
uh, Jared, uh, Padalecki. Padalecki, um, the hot one. Um, <laughs> um, until they just were like, we want to do something else. We would like to not be these characters anymore. Yeah. Uh-huh. On a side note, you should have seen Deb giggle like a schoolgirl when we were doing press stuff at Comic Con, and she got to go <laughs> in the during the best day uh, ever. The best day ever. The supernatural thing, and she was snapping pictures away. Uh, how many pictures did you take of the boys? Oh, I don't know. A yeah, lot. Like a, like a, a lot. lot. All of them. Like a lot. Like the rest <laughs> of the cast got two or three pictures each, but the the the, the lead guys. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I was wondering why we had over twelve hundred pictures of them. Yeah. Movie. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it was a lot. It was the best day ever. <laughs> wow. Those were the days. <laughs> Let's do a little bit of mail. Hit it, Barry. All right. We got a bit of mail this week, but uh, this, uh, this, I, I love this first one because we get a lot of like goofy mail and so on and asking us questions. Uh, this one has something to say a lot, and I, I love it. So here's the mail piece. This is by uh, Kisa. Kisa sent us this. Heretics crave the cleansing fire of absolution. They need not fear, for we shall deliver it to them. Uh, 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 good day, gents. Sorry, I've been playing my 40K Adeptus Sororitas uh, t- t- too much. I've been playing catch-up on episodes now that I have a job, and, and in episode 475, the discussion of online bullying in games came up, and especially how it can be hard on the LGBTQ+. I just want to thank you all, especially Jeff, for mentioning it. So this happens to me often, as I'm transgender, and my voice gives the wrong impression. This has caused me to pretty much given up on playing FPS games, as the culture is extremely toxic there, and honestly... I feel slimy after listening to it. This does apply to a lot of games. And over the years, I've noticed that the less competitive a game is, the lower the level of toxicity it has in the community. An example is my time in WoW versus Final Fantasy XIV. As World of Warcraft focuses much more on factions, PvP, conflict between groups, etc., it was always super hostile and opinionated. While... Final Fantasy XIV, on the other hand, is much more player versus environment focused with storylines, group activities, and mechanics to bring people together has been much more welcoming and accepting. To show this sense of community in Final Fantasy XIV was voice actor slash character actor Stephen Critchlow, passing recently. Many sources published articles about how many servers and data centers did vigil for him in-game. I would have never expected that in a game, especially that no one trolled and no one disrespected people doing this. I was truly impressed. So through all this text, I have a question for the group. How do we, as gaming community, go about making it less toxic for everyone? Especially since I love all types of games and want to enjoy them without fear of griefing slash abuse. Hope this wasn't too much rambling. Kisa. First off, Thank you, Kisa, so much for yeah. writing yeah, and sharing you. that with us. And I couldn't agree more. There, I stay away from certain kind of games. Uh, First-person shooters are one of them. If I do play them, I don't have headphones on. No. I don't talk to nope. anybody. I yeah. play them with the sound of the game on because I don't want to hear what anyone else has to say. Or you only play them with your friends. Right. In a private game with your friends, period. It, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that really sucks in a game where you need team coordination and communication is necessary. Yep. So it's what I, I do you want to subject yourself to 
listening to that bullshit or just take the chill pill and shut that sound off is yeah yeah i think the problem is the more competitive the game is i mean just like just like she said like the more competitive the game is the more you're gonna see it yeah and i think that comes out i mean it comes out in just sports in general right people get aggressive they start to get heated and so it changes their whole like approach to everything what how they interact with people what they're doing their actions what the words they use it's just like that in a video game because you're going to get the same emotions, especially if you're, you have a lot of like, you know, you want to beat this or you want to get to this, this goal because you're trying to earn this reward and you've never been able to do it. You've tried 10 times and, you know, you get aggressive. And I, that's why I don't like playing those games. I, I never have unless it's with friends and friends only. And like, the sad, sad thing is they're never going to go away either because no. the internet tough guys or the internet anonymity. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Uh, internet anonymity is a huge part of the whole toxicity thing because when we were younger and online games really first started to come out, you had a very small group of people that were actually playing online games. You had the people that were typically much more accepting and much more into inclusion that were playing these things and were talking to each other. Now that gaming has become so broad, you have the same people who are bullies in real life that are now online being bullies online and sadly you also have people that have been bullied themselves due to anonymity now bullying those people that uh, are also online so I don't know how you address the toxicity other than to say that I think it starts with the way that you're raised. I think it also has to do with not just tolerating, but you know, like Roddenberry said, celebrating the diversity in, in humanity, because if you aren't willing to accept that the person next to you, or in this case, the person that is online opposite you of you is a human being and deserves the same rights and respect that you would expect for yourself i don't think you're gonna get rid of that toxicity Mm -mm. so i think it comes down to a lot of and i really try to avoid the topic of religion but i think a lot of it stems out of religion and you know religious households still preaching these archaic notions of what it is and isn't to be a human being um and questionable beliefs of what is and isn't moral in our modern world um well i I think i think morality needs to be based on your own set of beliefs and less about what everyone tells you you need to believe and just think about it in terms of how would you want to be treated because i know i was bullied a lot when i was growing up and you know As much as I love Star Trek, it was also escapism for me because it was a positive view of the future where, you know, people's identities were celebrated. They were, they were inclusive. It didn't matter what color their skin was or what planet they were from or what gender they were. Or in some cases you had gender fluid characters or characters with no gender. So, I mean... 
I don't know. That's that's my own personal thoughts on it. I don't know. I, don't know. I think, um, I mean, we all know the pandemic has not helped no. us all come together as a, you know, as a world and as human beings. Um, well, as long as people steam, still believe that the pandemic is fake and it's a government conspiracy. Right. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just shown a lot more, a lot more of, it's the individualistic view. Yeah. It's me, me, me. No one else matters. No one else. I could care less about anybody else. Yep. I am the only important thing here. And therefore I will do everything for myself and for no one else. And that is a lot of what drives this, this attitude towards other people in general too. video games in the world, whatever. Um, I mean, a lot of it stems from people's inability to be concerned about their fellow, their fellow humans. Like we all share this space. That's, there's no way around that. We all share this space. Why can't we all share this space in a together way? Yeah. And I'm like what you said, Roddenberry. I mean, he hit it a long time ago and I had the same problem. I got picked on a ton growing up because I was a nerd and I was a girl, you know, and that was not popular where I grew up. I grew up in Southern California, Orange County in a really affluent area of Orange County where girls were supposed to be girly and like dresses and, you know, did makeup and did all those things. And I did none of those things. And I was picked on relentlessly for that. And, um, you know, Star Trek was an escape. What I, what I always found ha fascinating about those quote unquote gender norms that were, you know, that you're talking about where that's like, well, this is what girls are. This is what boys is like throughout history. Those have never been quote unquote norms because it all depends on the events that are happening around that time. It's like during world war two when women went into the workforce and it was considered normal until the quote men came back from the war. And then suddenly the woman's place was in the kitchen where it hadn't really been before because you know, both parents were typically either working or they had their own uh, set of things that they were doing inside and outside of the home. And, you know, you look back at even the Wild West, you know, women were farming, women were doing, you know, working in, you know, the shops in these Wild West towns. They were running businesses. And then suddenly, oh, nope, only men can run business. And then, you know, women are run out of their businesses and they're, you know, property and and rights are taken away from them and it wasn't until much later on that they were given back so it's like i don't know i have a couple things with this uh one the question is uh, what can we do to make it less toxic for everyone um right there are some tools out there they're crap tools they're basically reporting tools when you come across something online there's usually something for yep. each platform to say you know this person is being shit and needs to not be this way. Yep. And, but that ends up turning your game session into work of yeah. tracking down and getting rid of something that was interfering and running into that over and over again is exhausting. What needs to happen and won't is that the companies have to do random yeah. mon monitoring. Yep. They have to step up and take responsibility yeah. and shut those things down when it happens. Yeah. Have people listen in and then they see it happen, knock it out then and there and have enough that it happens that people realize that, oh shit, if I start doing that, I could get caught at any time doing that. Because right now there's no penalty for getting caught. You might get told on and then an investigation will happen and maybe something will happen. You can start a new account and do something else. 
But some of these games, I mean, like when I used to play WoW, I mean, you had to be on a on an invited server to talk to people. And so I think some of these games are still like that, aren't they? Like where you have to kind of like use the software and be invited to a chat room or to like, you know, a guilds hall or whatever to even verbally talk to people. In the old days, yes, I can't speak to now. I haven't played any of those in a while. Has You've played WoW more recent than most. Uh, well, it's, 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 but you play with your own group. Yeah, but in WoW's case, it'd be the general chat. Okay. That goes over the whole server. Well, but that's so. that's just texting though. That's yeah, not voice. But still, yeah. Right, you but these things that. these things are harsher. Like when you, I mean, if you're verbally talking to somebody online game, like Call of Duty, okay, you can play Call of Duty with a bunch of random people and you can hear everybody talking and, and doing stuff. And I don't, I mean, the verbal hearing it and it, I almost feel like it's worse because you can kind of ignore texting. Um, but I'm trying to get to though is the monitoring piece is some of these games I don't think have the, the ability where they can monitor because this communication is happening in channels or, or places where you have to be invited to communicate in those channels. Okay, it's like they're, they're ch- going over Discord or something like yes. that. So yeah, but I mean if it's something that's, for example, if you're playing Call of Duty over Xbox. Right, that you could, they could. Exactly, and that's and that's where it needs to happen because yeah. frankly, that's where the biggest bulk of this bullshit is happening. Oh, I agree. That's why I don't so, like playing Call of Duty with right. a bunch of random people. I don't know. Uh, but it's, I, the, it's the console, please. Yeah. But I will say, with this whole thing, the, the, the positive to take out of this is that we as a society overall are moving in the right direction. Slowly. Yeah. But we're further now than we have been and some of this is due to to the pushback against the progress that has been made so it will i'm hoping that over time acceptance will happen there will always be a loud minority that makes it horrible for everyone yep but they will continue to be more and more of a minority over time as long as this progress continues and so far it has yeah 2016 empowered the wrong people that's what happened yeah. yeah, but this also stems back before that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it got more. It got worse. Yeah, it was more. This some is, giant oh, steps it's backward. acceptable. I can say this now in the open because, you know, I don't want to talk get into politics. But yes, I don't even think people a lot of a lot of the kids who are doing these sorts of things really believe in what they're saying. I think that they're saying a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Just because they know it hurts, and because it's, they're not aware of the consequences they're saying. Or they have other friends that are listening, and they want to look big for their right. friends. Yeah. And um, there, this reminds me of a effective story I heard. I don't know if she was a Twitch player or if she was just big on a server, but there was a woman who played, who actually recorded um, this guy who went full on, you know, uh, you you need to be raped and you need to be murdered and you need, you know. On a and, video game? Uh, yeah, during the, the during whole. A Twitch chat. Uh, so it's probably, it during probably happened the, during a stream. Yeah. During a stream. Yeah. Wow. Um, and she was kicking ass and, and, you know, he was, well, she actually tracked him down and got a hold of his mother. <laughs> and his mother was mortified by all of this and it actually turned into something where this guy learned a little something it was a 14 year old guy 14 year old kid and he actually learned something because his mother got involved 
Wow. Now, not all parents are going to get involved, and it's hard to trick track down. She actually, this this uh, this woman actually had to, like you said, Todd, work to do it, but it actually became something. And I think the call-out culture and accountability is the big deal because bullies get away with what they get away with because they're left alone. Yep. And uh, it's when they are called to account that that sort of thing actually uh, begins the begins the change mm-hmm. and begins the change because you like you mentioned Todd you get the pushback the pushback is going to happen but then you need to push back against that and I think really addressing toxicity there has to be better mechanisms um, from the companies to do so it's uh, within the community there's only so much you can do because frankly you know I mean I don't I don't I don't like gaming with strangers. Yeah. I never have. So for me, the whole idea of getting on a, a game, first person shooter, joining a whole bunch of people I've never met and don't know and going around playing is alien anyway. <laughs> it's I don't understand. I don't understand it. And so it's it's just like, you know, the most I've done is like LAN parties, but you're in the same room and you're meeting yeah. these people as you're playing. Those are fun in general, though, because yes, exactly. a bunch of computers in a room with a yes. bunch of people and the wires everywhere. And yeah, and yeah. The, the whole interaction. You're yelling at that so guy, going, you motherfucker, I see you over there. That's right. <laughs> well, you were two, you're usually two teams. Half the room Matt Marshall, and, you need to be uh, raped, you know. Right. And it, it, it's just, <laughs> but it, it, um, it, and and also to speak to that, it's like when you're in person, those yeah. things take on a different dynamic anyway. Right. Um, the, and also, especially around your friends, call it out when you see it. Yeah. If, yeah. if you're with your friends in a Call of Duty game out there, and one of them starts spouting some bullshit, reel them in. Yep. That's that. That's up to you, uh, because they're not going to listen to strangers, but they might listen to you. Yep. Uh, strangers, they're going to get defensive and double down. Or if you're with your friends and a stranger is starting it, you know, you guys work together yeah. to step on the stranger. Exactly. Because the, the silence is part of what enables yep. them. Yep. If they feel like it's fine yeah. to continue. It's that either interview. the silence or the, the the friends that they'll have who are, you know, egging them on or encouraging yep. Back them. them up. So that kind of, that kind of stand. But yeah, I, my thing is, I kind of stay away from that shit because, <laughs> Jesus, I get into fights on fucking Facebook, you know, so much for ignoring text. Yeah. So, And I remember from the science fiction and fantasy community, there were people who were destroyed uh, just by toxicity in forums. So, And Twitter, of course, is, uh, is its own... Its own. Uh, it's, a, it it's its own video game. M- mutant animal. I yeah. almost wish for the days back when the BBSs were first coming out. Did any of you guys do? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, um, I was a part of a couple in Southern California where we would have meetups every week. So everybody on the BBS, like, we would go to like a, co- a local coffee shop because this is before Starbucks was even really a thing. We'd go to a local coffee shop and do a meetup every Wednesday night, and it was just. Everybody got along, and it was just really great. I, we still have, I still have some friends from that time period of my life. And um, I just wish it could be more like that again, you know? Where it was like, everybody was super accepting. You could play, and I forget what the game was, but it was one of those, like, maze games where you type the text, and you're like, turn left, and you run into a swamp, and, you know, um, Major Mud, I think, the was muds. one of the ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, wow. uh, it's interesting. The, the interesting observation here is that the more competitive they are. Yep. I'd never given that any thought, 
but it is it's true um it it makes a lot of sense and so i think that you know when you tie that together with sports locker room conversation trash talking on the field and stuff like that it's really just another form of that except that you trash talk on the field, you you could get physically burned. Yep. I mean, there might be a physical reaction of violence or just you just get your ass burned on the next play and, you know, it's like, shut your mouth, you know. Or you and could so, be me in junior hockey, high. In hockey, the coach will go up and down and he'll tap the shoulder of the enforcer. He goes over the boards. And so here you are looking at a six foot three, two eighty guy, like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have said that to their superstar. Mm. Um. <laughs> or you'd be me in uh, middle school, um, and you know, the time period in my life where I got picked on the most and we were playing hockey in PE. You're gonna pick on me while I have a hockey stick in my hand? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Oh, it was a great day. And I'll just uh, finish it with this. And I can't remember his name. His last name's Green. I know he's the brother of Hank Green. He's written many novels. I've read one of them, and it's off my head. But uh, he has a wonderful quote. And part of the issue in all this is that we don't see each other, as Deb said, as other human beings, that they are other entities, other non-living things. And the quote from Mr. Green is, imagine others complexly. When you think of others and the way that they are, just individuals that you walk past on the street, remember that they are also as a complex individual as you are. So imagine them that way. And that will help to humanize yourself and your own thinking against going against the other, quote unquote. Even the most horrendous person you can think of out there is a complex individual. Uh, with things that are good and things that are bad, every single one of them, especially Barry. And so (laughs) keep that in mind, and that will help to center you if you're somebody that gets overly anxious in that kind of environment and can jut out in ways that probably aren't best for others or yourself. So imagine others complexly. And, uh, And again, thank you, Kisa, for writing in. That's a wonderful, wonderful email. And as to your choice of Warhammer Army, um, death to the false emperor. That's all I have to say. Whoa, how dare you? Yeah, yeah, that's what I have to say about how that. How dare you? Adeptus Sororitas, please. Nurgle will squash this in a heartbeat. Beware the Trudeau brown-faced halflings. <laughs> no, no, you will die to the flamer, you heretic, you. Especially that army. Uh, we do. We did get some other mail this week, but we're going to go ahead and save that for next week because we do have to move on, uh, but we will get to it, I promise. So it is time for News You Don't Give a Shit About. Oh, no, God. Why? <laughs> uh, this happened like an hour before we uh, started the show. Scarlett Johansson and Disney have made peace. Quote, I am happy to have resolved our differences with Disney, said Johansson in a statement released Thursday. Uh, continuing, I'm incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in years to come, unquote. AKA, I got a big fat check. Fucking Thank a. you so much. And unlike their vitriolic filings and their shaming PR statements, Marvel owner Disney had nothing but love for the actor. Their quote... I'm very pleased that we have been able to come to a mutual agreement with Scarlett Johansson regarding Black Widow, said Alan Bergman, chairman of Disney Studios Content. He continues, 
We appreciate her contributions to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and look forward to working together on a number of upcoming projects, including Disney's Tower of Terror, unquote. They're so salty. They're so salty. Glad to hear that's back on. It is back on, but fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, Neither side gave any indication of how much money was involved in the settlement, but the deal ran to more than $40 an individual close to the matter told deadline. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Great. Fucking Tempest in a teapot. Nothing was solved. We move on. It's just fucking maddening. I really would love to be a fly on the wall in that room and find out what was the what was the turning point in the in the negotiations that made them say, you know what? Fine. Let's just let's just settle our differences and move forward. Right. Yeah. Uh, the thing I hate about this, uh, aside from the all sudden just wonderful love everyone has for each other, yeah, is that the problem overall is not going to get solved. Nope. No. Yeah, the, the whole issue of all of a sudden switching to this whole streaming thing and giving up, uh, it's, it's great that they've, uh, they've paid off Johansson, but it's not going to help the, the smaller actors that are out there. Nope. Or even all. the crew. Um, or the because crew. that's the, the basis of the upcoming, well, they've already had the strike vote, but uh, the, uh, the strike that is coming up, unless the studios change their way of thinking, you know, the, the the whole premise behind these long work hours and low pay was that they, quote, didn't know what the streaming, you know, service industry was going to be like moving forward. So they were like, well, we can't pay you as much as a regular TV show and we can't, you know, work you the, the fewer number of hours that we do a regular TV show. And then here we are like 10 years later and that's like now apparently 80% of the studio's business and they're still treating it like it's a quote unquote experiment. It's not an experiment anymore. This is, this is the way that movies and television shows are going to be released from now on. Yep. So you have to treat the people that produce them and I don't mean just the producers like your executive level. I'm talking about the people that carry the C stands, the people that carry the lighting, the people that cater the uh, you know the offset shoots. You know, I, I have friends that are out in Hollywood that that do our production staff, and sometimes they're working 18, 20 hour days right now. And think about that for a minute. Not only do you not have any time with your family if you have a family, but Many times they don't even have time to go to the bathroom during a shoot. They don't have time to eat. So there's food on the set. There's, there's craft services there. They can't break away to go eat because we've got to, quote, get this shot done. We've got to get this scene done. So my time lest working- you think it's a lot of you know, petty rich people already trying to get more money. No, this is people that have already been paid below the standard rates for years now and are being abused that need to be compensated fairly. I don't mean overly fairly. I just mean compensated fairly because they are way below fair right now. And the number of hours they work are not reflected in the pay that they're receiving. They're not Where being treated is like humans. What, this is in Hollywood. Well, no, no, no. Um, uh, <laughs> Hollywood has had movies for over a century, Jeff. Yes. And there's the Screen Actors Guild and yes. AFTRA. So yeah. 
those well, people do have union protection. So what, sag, are, what are we, it, talking, about? What are we after, talking about? I'm talking about productions. Uh, productions I, on I, what? I, Movies, everything. television, what web series? I, if, if, I might, if, if I might interject with personal knowledge, when I worked on Roswell, uh, I worked on the third season of TV show Roswell for the small stint I was in L.A. Um, I worked from 6 in the morning till 6 at night. And I did it for about 10 bucks an hour. Wow. Uh, I mean, I was a production assistant. I was the lowest on the lowest totem pole of a production company. But I was there for opening and I was there till close. And that happened Monday through Friday and sometimes Saturday. So I, I can attest to this that yes. it has gotten worse since I was a, a part of it. A lot worse. And it was bad when I was there. Yeah. And I the break that I got for food was when I was getting somebody else food. Yep. Okay, so you guys are talking about the We're IOTC thing. We're talking about production. Yes. You're We're talking, talking about, about production All right. Just Just to back up. Yeah. Just to back up. After I shut <laughs> up. This is where you are. This is where you need to be. You got shushed. Okay. Somebody said, I'm really upset at Scarlett Johansson because this solves nothing. Scarlett Johansson's thing was a portion of the profits of go releasing something on streaming. Yep. So I was sitting here. We moved past that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Someone said, this makes me mad because nothing has changed. And I'm like, well, me. obviously, they're going to renegotiate contracts. Obviously, going in the future percentage of gross involving streaming is going to be considered and somewhere in there somebody just <laughs> went straight to the no, IATSE well someone think of the sound thing. boom holding guy I said that this, so exactly this isn't going to change anything for the actors because that's the more publicly faced part of exactly. film production and well, I said that this also needed to be addressed right but it's that where you really it? yes because okay. it really sounded like Scarlett Johansson and Disney not having anything to do with IATSE is you just fuck Disney and fuck <laughs> Scarlett and fuck them both for their friendly words because they didn't address the real issue and I was like what the hell's going on here? So you're talking about the IATSE strike, but the IATSE yes. strike is, they're talking about striking, aren't they? Yes. They've, they've already had the strike vote. Okay. Yeah, so so there could be change. Well, there has yeah. to be the, because... You, the negotiations are still ongoing, yeah. but it's looking more and more like there will be a production strike. Well, I'm talking about... It, it almost always goes to a strike because yeah. the negotiations just take that long and they really... They have to force the issue. They need to yeah. get a kick in the ass to really resolve it. It's sort of like when uh, every fucking two or three years the writers strike. Because, you know, yeah. oh, what is it this time? Well, web series. Nobody's getting a cut of the web series and you know when the internet was growing and everything like that. So it's just sort of like, you know, and everything is changing so rapidly. So... But I'm talking... This is... Yes, everything you're talking about is important as well. This this is talking about the actual labor side right. of film production. The people, like you said, that get the coffee and the food. The people that do the manual labor for setups, manual labor for breakdowns. You know, all all of the things that go on behind the scenes that aren't even being paid a fair living wage for the number of hours that they're being forced to, to work. Mm -hmm. I know. I uh, actually was offered a pub. 
uh, production assistant thing, which would have been a great entry-level thing, and I didn't do it, and that's another discussion. But it was $50 a day. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. it was going to be $50 a day. This is back in the 90s, uh, and I was going to be setting up the video monitor, you know, so the director can look yes. whatever the fuck that thing is. That was going to be the job, and actually it would have been a cool thing to do. But it was going to be $50 a day, and yeah, I was going to have to be one of the first people there. And I was going to definitely be one of the last people out. I mean, production assistant is such a tough job to do because it's it's it like can, one step above intern yeah. in offices. It, it's it just, can lead to bigger and better things, but for every one PA that actually becomes a major producer in the industry, you literally have hundreds of thousands of other PAs right. that went nowhere. People you know, who were just PAs. that were discarded, like you know, because yesterday they didn't know the garbage. right people, yeah. or they didn't impress the right person. Yeah, and, and I'll tell well, you right now, I got my job because I knew the right person. Same. Yeah, well, and yeah. and I, I won't name names, but you actually know a guy that was a PA that became uh, an assistant to a major producer and is now himself a major producer. Well, and he's one of the few success stories in that biz. I'll name him. It's Terry Metalis. Yeah. He's the guy that created the uh, Twelve Monkeys TV show. Yep. Ooh, I liked that show. Yeah. So he's so, he's yeah. he's become a huge player in Hollywood genre television, especially. Yeah. Well, and he's he's awesome. I mean, I I think I've loved everything that he's put out. There's a shitload of people recently. who who have gone through that. A yeah. lot of a lot of stars. Yeah. Um. I I remember reading something uh, like uh, a show. I think it was Brad Pitt was a PA on people. You know, there are tons of people who have done that. But sure. It's it's sort of like the the uh, what I call the Vegas mascot thing here in Vegas. It is easy to get locked into the shit cycle yep. where you don't move forward. Well, and you and keep I getting can, that that promise, that dangle. Right. That, that. And, you you know, it, it pays so low. So you're working paycheck to paycheck. So you're grabbing what you can. And it can be very you can very easily get locked into I can't strive for anything better because I'm too busy paying tomorrow's rent. So, well, I mean, the way they're doing it now, you're paying for yesterday's rent and right. last month's rent, yeah. <laughs> and you're not even getting close to getting yet tomorrow's rent. Right. It's fine. Just get five roommates the, in your two-bedroom yeah. apartment. Oh exactly. yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. No, I, I, I knew people that uh, that I went to film school with that actually did go out to LA that were doing that. You had. Uh, Ten people living in like a two-bedroom house. Oh yeah, the God. vast was, majority of people I know, yeah. it's it's like a communal setup in a house that they're renting. You guys yeah. didn't know the secret? You're supposed to make your coffee at home. Yeah. <laughs> stupid. And what's yeah. funny about it too is they, you know, they said that like half the time they're like, I'm on set all day long. In most cases, just waiting to do setups and breakdowns is like I can't. You know, I'm paying rent on a place that i'm never at yeah you know other to maybe get one or two hours of sleep before i have to turn around and go right back to the studio or the location shoot and it's yeah it's 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 terrible los angeles wicked geek woohoo yay uh. <laughs> i'm glad you're here matt i wanted you here more than anybody else for this story well, streaming service i don't know it depends J. Michael Straczynski oh, is yes. writing a reboot of the classic 1990s space drama Babylon 5 for a potential new run on the CW. Oh, the- no. <laughs> <laughs> 
The planned new series is what The Hollywood Reporter calls a, quote, from the ground up reimagining of the original yes. series, which ran for five seasons from 1993 to 1998 and spawned a still growing series of spinoffs and tie-in stories. This time around, the series will reportedly begin with the arrival of Earth Force officer John Sheridan. He was played by Bruce Boxleitner in the original series on Babylon 5 and the resulting chain reaction of events that eventually launch an unimaginable conflict with an advanced alien civilization and lead to a destiny Sheridan never imagined. Though Sheridan was a key player in nearly the entire run of the original series, he was actually a replacement commander on the station, stepping in for Jeffrey Sinclair after original series star Michael O'Hare backed away from his starring role due to health concerns. Uh, scripted primarily by Straczynski, with contributions from genre luminaries like DC Fontana, Harlan Ellison, Peter David, and Neil Gaiman over the course of its run, Babylon 5 was defined by a carefully engineered approach to long-term story arc planning. Though there were plenty of episodic adventures on the station, the show was always sowing seeds of a bigger story that rewarded weekly viewers and eventually spawned one of the most devoted fandoms in science fiction. Following the original series run, Straczynski and company continued the story through seven TV movies, a spin-off series titled Crusade, and various novels, comics, and other tie-ins. And now it seems Babylon 5 will get the opportunity to uh, meet a new generation of fans with an updated story. So here it is. Babylon 5 returns with original creator in tow. Absolutely. What do you think, Matt? Well, those those episodic episodes too were awesome in their own right, but they'd have like near the end or maybe at the beginning just a little tidbit of the overall story in there. But I'm excited. Um, so they're gonna be so it's gonna be a new actor for John Sheridan. New actor, new, new complete storylines. Yeah, they um, can't really bring anybody back yeah. because half the cast is dead. Right. So it's pretty sad actually. But yeah, Michael O'Hare though. In watching season one, because I, I never knew that he had health risks. Mental. Well, he yeah. had mental uh, health issues that he was dealing schizophrenia, with. Schizophrenia, yeah. I believe. Really rough. Yeah. Yeah. So re-watching over the years, I'm watching these episodes. I'm seeing like flickers in his eyes. I'm like, holy shit, you can actually see it. And none of his castmates knew he had that. So he would get into fights with all his castmates. So there was like a lot of conflict on set just because of that. Because he kept it a, a secret from everybody except for uh, JMS. Yeah. So right, and JMS didn't talk about no. it until after he passed. Yeah, well, because that was one of his things. He's like, uh, "Do not say anything to anybody until after I'm gone." So once he died in 2012, I think he came back and told that. Uh, oh no, it was uh, the 20th anniversary Phoenix Comic Con, I believe, where he said it on stage with the remaining cast, and everyone's like, "Holy shit, that makes a whole bunch of sense now." But uh, yeah, so. Because I remember watching that from season one to two, and I'm like, who's this new guy? John Sheridan. I'm yeah. like, what the hell happened to I remember that St. Clair? I'm like, okay, all right. But I, I can't wait. I'm a little concerned it's on the CW, but they do have a huge budget, so that's good. But I, I like how Straczynski is approaching it. I was trying to find the exact quote here. He was talking about how you know a lot of the fans were asking, why isn't this a, a continuation, or why isn't this... Uh, like a soft reboot with you know new cast plus uh, and he uh, it's a problem because uh, your whole he, cast is dead. <laughs> he has a great quote. He he quotes Herodotus. Uh, I can't say it. Uh, I'm sure Biggs is screaming somewhere. And it says, you cannot step into the same river twice before the river has changed and you have changed. He says, in the years since B5, I've done a ton of other TV shows, adding equal number of tools to my toolbox. 
all of which I can bring to bear once the singular question. If I were creating Babylon 5 today for the first time, knowing what I know now as a writer, what would it look like? How would it use all the storytelling tools and technolo technological resources available in 2021 that were not on hand then? And I think that's a great way to look at it because a lot of times if a reboot is involving you know, an original creator, sometimes they're trying to recapture the way they felt or the way they were at the time that they created it, you know, in some cases decades later, and you're not that same person anymore. Yeah. It's a lot of the problems I had with like the, you know, the Lucas reimaginings of the original Star Wars trilogy is like you can't go back to your mindset that you were when you did the original shoots back in the, you know, late 70s, early 80s. So it's I, it's almost hubris to think that you can go back and quote fix your films because you're not the same person your thought processes aren't the same you can't go back and and make that again but you can start from scratch which i love the fact that he's doing with this you know he has an idea but he's not going to do the exact same thing over again other than to do that kind of that season long story arc um, which was fairly groundbreaking for the time that he did it, and now it's kind of the norm in uh, episodic television today. And who knows? He might even bring like one of them back as an admiral or something. Because you might have a might. cameo, like, just a cameo, something. But like, it, yeah, it won't be, yeah, it won't like, be their their old character. But it'll, yeah. it'll probably be a cameo because, yeah, mm -hmm. um, it's it's amazing how many of the cast are no longer with us, and you know for various reasons, and it's just it's sad. You know, that's so much of that cast who wasn't even that old in many cases were, you know. No, because a lot of them died like heart attack, that kind yeah. of stuff. But yeah. So are you going to get cable again so you can watch it? Because otherwise you're going to have Probably to wait not. until uh, it's on Netflix. Yo, he can, ho, ho. He can download the CW seed and watch it for free. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how a lot of the, uh, um, a lot of people watch a lot of the CW shows now. Like a lot of the fans of the Berlantiverse watch it through that, that app. So, you know. He'll probably be able to watch it for free somewhere. Mm -hmm. I might, though, because I love that show so much. I might. But but Straczynski has said that the, uh, the CW execs have been incredibly supportive and very um, hands-off as far as, you know, telling him what he can and can't do. I mean, they they said that, that they have let him play in the sandbox uh, up to this point. And well, because they, they've seen the whole series in all its glory, probably. They're like, holy yeah. shit, this guy was ahead of his time. He was doing that, so and you know, I I am fascinated by the concept of even being able to tr to take the technology today because they were using a lot of groundbreaking technology at the time, and when you go so back and look at it now, now, it looks very dated. Well, HBO did um a, um they gave it a, a once over, so it's like four K yeah. or something. Yeah, right the, now. on on HBO Max, it's, it it is upgraded to four K. Um, the problem is a lot of the old uh, effects were done digitally. So you have the rescans of the old 35 millimeter prints up to the point where the special effects were there. And then they did old uh, DVD quality upscales to 4K. So it, yeah. it, 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 there's a very noticeable change from when you're, you're watching this pristine image to suddenly you're having the digital uh, effect overlay and the you know, the sharpness of the picture goes way down and then goes back to the, the new scans. But it is nice that they took the time to go do that, at least. Universal Pictures 
has decided to adopt a hybrid release model for Halloween Kills. Rather than an exclusive theatrical release, the slasher, <laughs> slasher sequel, why do I write them like this? Slasher sequel will have a simultaneous premiere on Peacock the same day on Friday, October 15th. The dual strategy recalls the one enacted by Warner Brothers for the studio's entire 2021 release schedule. Halloween Kills was originally scheduled to open last October, was delayed by a year due to concerns related to the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, Mike Myers is going to sue the studio for the simultaneous release because... Quietly. He's not getting his share. I don't think he'll sue. I think he has other methods. Oh, yeah. Oh, all right. Just stand in the doorway. <laughs> so he just stands in the doorway the of the executive. Like, oh, oh, Jesus right, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> where, where did you come from? Michael, we why, talked why, about why this. Why are you walking towards me? What, what's that in your hand? <laughs> um, I just read an uh, interview today with Jason Blum about this. Uh, and apparently they decided to do this because of Freaky. Freaky being the yeah. uh, the horror Freaky Friday thing that they did. They released it only to the theaters back in November, and it made $15 million. It was a uh, obvious flop, as many films during that time were. So they got real once bitten, twice shy. With, he's like, I want as many people as we can to see this movie. So that's why we've done this model. It's still in the movie theaters for those that are comfortable, but at home if you're still not comfortable please watch our movie yeah because i didn't even know freaky had gotten a theatrical release i caught it on on blu-ray i got it at Redbox um based on a recommendation so when i found it there i didn't even know it had been real uh, released theatrically and i'm like wow this would have been awesome on the big screen but i'm also glad that i got to see it at all because had I just missed this, had this uh, been a movie that just faded into obscurity, I would have hated that because it was such a, a fun film, a and fun it, little horror film. And that stuff gets lost in the noise. Oh, yeah. There's so much out there that once it goes oh, out my to God. streaming ether, unless you're looking for it, good luck. I mean, there's days I feel inundated with the number of choices of things to watch when you know I do have an hour or so to sit and go, okay. I want to watch something new. What is there? Oh, my God, there's so many choices. I haven't even heard of half of these. I think this is a really smart idea on Blumhouse's behalf, and this is why. Because Halloween Kills is the second part of a trilogy. They're making three of these movies that were designed this way. The last movie was very good and did very well. So I think the more people that see this movie, whether they see it on Peacock or they go to the theater, are going to want to see how the third part of this story how the whole story ends so the more people can get to watch this the more people will go to see it when part three comes out so i i think that's really what it does come down to is that they're looking forward to the box office for the next one based on the amount of views they get from this one i don't know man i'm i'm in the i'm in the studios camp for this i think theaters are done and over with honestly Unless well, they're like a, a cool idea like Alamo Draft House or a drive-in theater or, I don't know, something. I, something different than I, just to sit down on a big screen. I don't think theaters are ever going to be truly done because the same thing was said when the television became affordable for the household. The same thing was said, uh, you know, when the next new medium comes out with streaming, etc. So... I think you're always going to have 
some theatrical releases. But I do feel like there's going to be more and more streaming premieres or at least these hybrid release type premieres because, you know, let's face it, there, there's there's a segment of the population that isn't even addressed in all of this. You have people, the the, the, the neurodivergent camp that, I, sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied trying to say that word, um, you know, people with agoraphobia or people with, you know, other mental issues that they just can't be around large crowds and have often had to wait until, you know, the movie comes out on DVD or Blu-ray to enjoy it. And then, you know, in this day and age with the number of spoilers that are out there, if you don't catch it within that certain window, you're going to have that movie spoiled for you. And especially with some of the mental health issues that some people have, you're like, well, now I can't watch it. Now I literally cannot watch it. So I think it opens up an opportunity for more people. Um, I think it also is a way for people who, you know, maybe work second or third shift to finally get to see a movie um, relatively close to its release date. So, I'm going more with the cost of going to the theaters. Because oh, less well, people go, they're going to raise prices and everything. This is the way it goes. So yeah, but you got a I family mean, of five, it's like a you know hundred and something dollars just to go see a movie. Where you can pay 30 bucks on Disney Plus and your entire family can watch it. Yeah. yeah. As many times as you want. But like I said, I think there's always going to be a crowd of people that are going to insist on going and seeing a movie theatrically. So I don't think the theaters are going to go away anytime soon. I think maybe the the numbers of physical locations of theaters may go down again like it did in the uh, you know early 90s. Well, but I also agree with Matt. I think Late 90s. you'll get more of the boutique theaters. Yeah. The the ones that that offer that special experience or something right. a little different so that it draws you in besides just going to see a film. Well, I mean, I I'm first to admit I almost exclusively see movies now at Galaxy because it's an overall much better ex- viewing experience yep. from from being able to purchase your tickets either online or at a kiosk right there at the theater. Mm-hmm to having that reserved seat, to having a comfortable reserved seat, being able to get not just candy and popcorn, but cocktails, a beer, food, food, and not just, you know, cheap theater food. In some cases, you get some pretty decent food. So... Yeah, Yeah. Alamo Drafthouse is our favorite now because of that reason. And that if it's not the first showing of the day... Like kids are not allowed under, right. I think babies aren't allowed under age three or five if it's not the first showing. And if you make a peep during the film and disrupt other people, one peep, you get kicked out immediately. Yeah. I like it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I think also the use of venues for other things. Yeah. Sure. Just today, Critical Role announced that their premiere episode on October 21st will have uh, limited live feed to some theaters. Wow. Nice. Yeah. How far they've come. Yeah. Damn. So the, um, what they use the theaters for, I think Matt, there's going to be a big adjustment in the industry. Oh yeah. Cause I think one of the things they need to figure out is money because while you're right that the cost of going to theater is high, there's more money in the individual ticket sales. Like yep. Deb just said, your yep. whole family spends 30 bucks and you watch the movie. So how do they adjust that without like, you know, charging 50 or 70 bucks right. per movie? So 
I think there's going to be a lot of adjustment in the economics. Well, yeah. Because they have to figure out how to squeeze streaming. And to go back to the Scarlett Johansson thing, they, they have to figure out what what constitutes profit, what constitutes your money when that sort of stuff goes on. Because I'm pretty sure some of her paycheck had to do with figuring out uh, when they picked up streams. Because I think that it was already worked out if there was a pay-per-view or something like that. She got it. But it was also like, well, but those people who actually subscribe to the service for the purpose of watching the movie... Where is the money from that? And I think that was at the heart of a lot of the, contra- yeah. the, the, the contract controversy. So figuring out the economics of it is going to be a big thing. Right. And, and let's not forget the studios still hold all the cards when it comes to uh, cards, rather, uh, when it comes to theatrical releases because they set the price of the number of screens that the individual yeah. movie theaters can display that particular movie on as well as how many seats are in that theater so when a theater charges a certain ticket price for it was, what is it the first 60 days of a theatrical release they're in the red they're not actually making any profit yeah. off a of t- ticket sales that's why the concessions are so expensive exactly Con- concessions are their yeah, money that is the only the way gate, that they make money the gate is not their yeah. money the the gate so. is is essentially mandated mandated by the studios. It's like, okay, so you have to put it on this number of screens. You have to do it, and you have to charge at least this much per and person. We get eighty percent. Yes, I know some of exactly. them are that insanely high. Yeah, it's like some in some cases it can be up to ninety percent on certain movies right. up front, and then it scales back after it's been in the theater for a few weeks. But then when you see those concession more, sales yeah. and people, you know, picking up. I mean, Jesus Christ, how much does it really cost them to make a bucket of popcorn? It doesn't. You know? that's, that's like I said, it, that, that's their compensation. When I worked at the movie theater, we were allowed as much soda as we wanted as long as you brought your own cup. Yeah. yeah. Because they made all their money off of selling yeah. the cups. Oh, that when uh, I worked at Subway back in the fucking 80s, our soda inventory was by the cup. Mm-hmm. We didn't really focus on count, counting the uh, the actual soda, the the boxes yeah. that the syrup was in. It we had to do the uh, the the cup yeah. count, and it was funny because if you gave someone a cup to for something, you know, like okay, you need some See, water, or some, slap you in the right. face, or you right. or you <laughs> grab a cup just for your right. own drinking. That fucked with numbers, yep. and sure. people yeah. were not happy. Yeah, if you give a man the cup. He's good for a lot, but if you teach a man to come. Or how about you teach all of the high schoolers who work at that movie theater that if you accidentally break some of the cookies off the tray when you're trying to (laughs) (laughs) take them off and put them in that you might get a snack. Oh my God. What what was our... Oh, we had a fucking... We had a fucking... uh, Oh, shit. We had a term for that. It was like not... not, uh, It's... Not presentable, but we had a term quality for control. quality control or quality assurance or something like that. And, you know, the up oh, quality assurance and, you know, everyone would grab a half a cookie or something like that. And same thing with the bread. And the pretzels. It, it, yep. it, it was it was very funny. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to some red light, green light. Oh, we didn't talk about the 
the galaxy, Star Wars galaxy, the hotel, the galactic Star Cruiser. Who cares? It's like forty grand. Yes, it's like uh, six thousand a person. We're, we're gonna we're gonna save that for a wealthy shock. That's coming up next. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. I have to start a gun f- GoFundMe. You, like, you scratch that out and send the geek. There. <laughs> I didn't scratch anything out. Scratch it out. Send, send the Geek Shock podcast yeah. to the Star Wars Galactic Cruiser. <laughs> I'll. It's like we'll have to. The goal will be like one hundred and twenty thousand. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll stay home for two income household shock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I call this meeting of Dunright Productions to order. We got four more pitches, but you only get one green light each, and one or more of these may be fake. The shows we have this week are from Ready Player Infinite, Moonhaven, and Detroit. <sighs> Well, what do you think Moon with Moonhaven? <laughs> I'm thinking werewolves. Werewolves. Like. A werewolves. I'm They're th- a werewolves. I'm thinking a legacy game. They're yeah, wolf. same. <laughs> Moon. I bought Moonhaven. Todd's got Gloomhaven. God damn it! I got the. I got bamboozled. <laughs> what happens when you order Gloomhaven off of Wish? Oh my god! Oh my god! That that be. You guys have to get. Some kind of a mock-up and and have a Moonhaven box to give to Andy when he gets back. Like, look, we got you Gloomhaven, and he's like, what, "What? What is this? What is this Etsy bullshit right here?" And and all the figures will be will be card stock that are put into the 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 little standees, and it's uh, just people mooning him. <laughs> I just, I, I, now that's I, the GoFundMe we need to set I, up. I, I'm totally picturing the utter look of defeat on his face right now, and he gets his like, "What? What is this? Yeah, I'll, it's a big box of butts, Andy. Enjoy yeah. it, big box of butts. <laughs> Andy's big box of butts. Uh, GoFundMe. Um, <clears throat> so again, the titles from Ready Player Infinite, Moonhaven, and Detroit. The first one from Epics is making a sci-fi horror series titled From, created by John Griffin, who did Crater, and Oscar-nominated actress Catalina Sandino Moreno, who is American Gothic, and The Affair, is on board to lead the cast. From unravels the mystery of a nightmarish town in middle America that traps all those who enter. As the unwilling residents fight to keep a sense of normalcy and search for a way out, they must also survive the threats of the surrounding forest, including the terrifying creatures that come out when the sun goes down. Jack Bender, our director, Mr. Mercedes, and uh. big friend of Geek Shock, will di- be directing the first four episodes of the series from Epic Studios and MGM International Television Productions. It's likely coming to Epics in 2022. So what do you think about From? I like that. I like that. Synopsis that you wrote read right there. It's like it's like the village but better, maybe. <laughs> the village but better. That's a log line. Yeah, there uh, you go. It's like under the dome. It does have some under the dome yeah. vibes. It does. I so wanted to like that series when it came out. It started off all right. Yeah, yeah the first few episodes were really good, and then all of a sudden it just turned into the, every other television drama the, with a bunch of extra bullshit layered on top that you're just like. What? Well, it's one of those things that we that Deb brought up earlier that shows should only be as long as they need to be. Yes. They realized they were going to get a second season, so they had to pad it out. 
Oh, and Pad, they did. Good <laughs> God. I, 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 I never watched beyond, I think, the second episode of the second season. I just couldn't do it anymore. There was just too much ridiculousness added into it. I'm just like, I can't. So I never finished the series. Anyway, sorry. Go no, ahead. That, that's, that's all right. So that was from, next up, Ready Player Infinite is in development as an exclusive series to HBO Max. The series, which takes place in the virtual universe created by author Ernest Klein, will tell self-contained stories of users in the worldwide virtual reality network, the Oasis, and the adventures they share. Zach Penn, that's the Ready Player One's co-screenwriter, is being tapped as the showrunner for the series. The show, while being based on the rough timeline of the movies and books, that material will not be a primary focus of the stories. Penn says, quote, We loved to read and see the adventures of the high five in the books and on the screen, but there are literally billions of other users, each with a story to tell. We may fold them into some of the timeline of some episodes as it's, as it's in universe, but the show's focus will be on other Oasis users. The beauty of this format and the freedom we're given is we are going to have a variety of styles for each episode. Some will be completely CGI, some will be animated, others can be more real world as in virtual choices that have real consequences. Uh, he continues, One of the things we want to do may be the hardest from a licensing standpoint, but I think will be the greatest fun. In Ready Player One, the novel, a concept was introduced called FlickSync. Basically, this transported a user inside a movie or TV show as one of the characters, and the object was to match what that character did in the movie. How great would it be to revisit some of these shows and movies, but have the user decide to change the story from what we all know? The good news is with Universal behind us, we are hopeful to start with their vast library to revisit, unquote. Production is looking to start in mid-2022, with episodes airing beginning in the early part of 2023. So what do you think of Ready Player Infinite? Sounds a little like uh, Love, Death, Robots. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. But you, you you didn't have me at the start of that, but the the ending part of that sounded pretty cool. Like with the, the characters jumping into existing properties or previously. Well, yeah. It, my biggest worry, though, just like I had with converting the books to the film, was... You know, getting all the rights to to do the cool things There's in the a show. A lot of licenses. Yes, but, but the, they are backed by Universal, so they might at least have that much. Right, which is a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. But I would want to do like Firefly. You know, like those types of shows would be the ones that I wouldn't want to jump into. And they talk about that in the book too. But yeah, no. If if this is real and Universal is behind it, it could be cool. All right, let's see how it stacks against Moonhaven. (laughs) AMC has placed an order for the sci-fi series Moonhaven from Peter Octo, showrunner of Lodge 49, executive producer on The Office. Here's the synopsis. Moonhaven is focused on a utopian colony on the moon that may hold the keys to preserving life on Earth, which has become increasingly perilous. It follows Bella Sway, a lunar cargo pilot and smuggler 100 years in the future, who finds herself accused of a crime and marooned on Moonhaven, a utopian community set on a 500-square-mile Garden of Eden built on the moon to find solutions to the problems that will soon end civilization on Mother Earth. A skeptic in paradise, Bella is sucked into a conspiracy to gain control of the artificial intelligence responsible for Moonhaven's miracles and teams with a local detective to stop the forces that want to destroy Earth's last hope before they are destroyed themselves. 
uh, Octo, who the writer of the novel, is the writer and executive producer of the show and will also serve as showrunner. Deb Spera will also executive produce. How do you feel about Moonhaven? Did you just say that she was marooned there in this utopian society that sounds like everybody would want to be there? That's yeah. what it sounds like. It screams to me fake. Yeah, me too, because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, nah. And yeah, she kept, finds herself accused of a crime in Maroon. One, one in of, a utopian society. One of the, yeah, but yeah. one of the definitions of a dystopia is on the surface, it's utopian. And then as you dig, you begin to discover you. So Right. I, I get that. Yeah. But if she's in trouble and did something wrong, you would think that that's not where they'd put her. They'd take her back to Earth and it's dying. Well, it depends on who marooned her and why. I guess. I guess. Uh, you know. Yeah, sure. Pat Spurl, you did a lousy job writing this. <laughs> <laughs> and guys, guys, don't let Todd edit your shit. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's smartness in that sentence. Not in my sentence, but that sentence, it was from smartness. Mm. Uh, okay, let's see how it stacks up against Detroit. Uh, it's not oh. very good. It's yeah, the city of Detroit. Talk about wanna, Earth yeah. and Trouble. <laughs> dystopian, dystopian, you know, oh, here we I'm, go. I'm sorry, I have the wrong title. I'll, I'll get to the title here in a second. HBO Max is developing the show for the streamer. Here's the description. In a time where social media dictates life versus the other way around, Detroit officer Lieutenant Davidson Waffles must do the thing that... <laughs> waffles? <laughs> That's what it says. Thing that no one should ever have to do. <laughs> Still, did you even try? Like what? <laughs> Track down the killer of his partner, Sergeant <laughs> Sergeant Penelope Bacon. <laughs> oh my! Okay, you know what? Just bacon, bacon and, and waffles. waffles. <laughs> <laughs> it started four months ago at a fake fake news rally at the ebook library statue, the one next next to the Home Best Depot by Park. You know, the one next to Justin Timberlake. There was a drive-by by the Karen's United But Not Together Society officers. <laughs> Waffles and bacon were on scene. <laughs> You're we're, selling this so well, I Todd. know. We're on scene in case there was any drama or shenanigans. One stray bullet caught Lieutenant Bacon. From that point on, Davidson swore Her bacon was that, cooked. that he would find that Karen and dish out justice. Blue Waffles will start taping January 2022. Blue Waffles? Ryan Ryan Reynolds' maximum effort will be producing the series for HBO Max. See, so now there that, we go. Yes, that, that sounded like, that sounded totally ridiculously fake until you, you said, said Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> and then it's like, hmm. Barry Rothbert from the Happy Time Murders is slated to play Davidson. Martin Lawrence is signed on as Captain Payne. So yes, I'm Captain sorry. Payne. Captain Payne. You know what? That sounds like it's actually real, just because. It probably I just, I just is. couldn't get it's past so, it's, it's so ridiculous it's probably real. It's it's falling into the I want it to be real. <laughs> it's in the I want it to be real column. Waffles is just a funny word. Yeah. <laughs> Waffles. Whew. So there you got it. You got from, you got ready player, infinite, moonhaven, and blue waffles. Where do you put your green light, Deb? <laughs> So if Ready Player Infinite is really a thing and they do it like Love Death Robots, that's where I put my my yes. All right. Matt, where do you put yours? I got to go with what I first went with, From. All right. Yeah. The man from From. 
Jeff, where do you put yours? I'm leaning more towards Ready Player Infinite as well. I just think that sounds the most intriguing of all of them. Uh, although it sounds like it's probably fake. You know, I know Spielberg was working on a sequel, but I just don't see it being stretched out to a TV series. But, uh, but yeah, I'd like for it to be a real series, especially if they can do even half of what they did in Ready Player One. So, I think doing with the... The fact that they're not concentrating on a core group and doing short stories in right. it. Right. I like that yeah. aspect of it. Exactly. Exactly. Because you can't really... The book's been kind of done. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And I haven't read the second book to know if, even if it should be. You don't need to. I, that's what I hear. Kirsten, why'd you put your green? Well, Moonhaven, I'm... Uh, I don't know. I wish somebody would finally just adapt Moon is a Harsh Mistress. That's a Robert A. Heinlein novel that Did actually, somebody already pitch that? Uh, no doubt. Yeah, but, I think know, that was pitched like a month ago. Yeah, a month ago? Yeah. Yeah, they, they need to get on that. I think, uh, what the hell was the, what, Moonhaven and what? what uh, the, From was the first one. From, I, I don't know. Did I miss my meds this morning? Because, dude, I didn't hear your plot synopsis. I heard you talk about the technical stuff and the people involved, and you're like, so that's... And I was just like... Yeah, it's the, what the, the... From is the under-the-dome type. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I know. I heard you there guys saying it. It's like after. a village surrounded by a forest. It's full yeah. of monsters yeah, that want to kill them. Yeah, that's... You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Yeah. You know, I was just like... I didn't, I didn't hear any of that, and I'm wondering if... Maybe that's a statement right there. <laughs> Here, so. the village, yeah. except you know, yeah, probably better. So, uh, so I, I'm yeah, from, and then uh, what was the God? I you know I didn't write this stuff down, so I, I'm did. Like, I blue, noticed blue waffles. Blue waffles. I'm kind of like I I want to be true. So you just want to hear the captain like blue waffles, get your bacony yeah. ass in here. Yeah. Well, sorry, too soon, but still get in that's there. That's right. That's right. You know, <laughs> just, just seeing Martin Lawrence, just be all captain pain. I, uh, I kind of want that to be uh, real. And, but I have to say what, uh, Rhetory player infinite needs is its log line is black mirror love death robots. Oh yeah. If they, make that pitch that way, yep. then people are going to be like, oh, I want to see that because that's what I'm hearing yep. with short stories and different groups of people. So that is what really appeals to me, especially if they really can move on the movie rights thing, you know, starting at least with Universal. Because wouldn't it be cool if this thing took off to the point that other studios want their properties to be involved so you know so they give them the rights to do it yeah Yeah. so so they can be a part of it so it could resurrect some forgotten things yeah yeah i mean it could it well the possibilities are endless yeah you know depending on what they do and it's i think i just yeah um that's the most intriguing thing it's really funny because when you said the title i was like meh but once you got in there i was like "Uh, i'm kind of i think I'm kind of I'm kind of liking this idea, so I'm going to go with Ready Player Infinite. All right, and that means the green goes to Ready Player Infinite. Uh, which of these do you think are fake? Uh, same same direction, Deb. I'm gonna go with Moonhaven. Moonhaven. 
I mean, I would say Blue Waffles, but like you said, as soon as you said Ryan Reynolds, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's plausible. Exactly. It's his humor. So, Moonhaven. Matt. I'm also going to go Moonhaven. Moonhaven. I, I want to see the Andy version of that, but yeah, it's going to be fake. <laughs> so, Andy's box of butts. <laughs> Jeff, why do you think's fake? I think Ready Player Infinite is fake just because it's, I want it to be. Mm. I want it to be the, the real one, but I have a feeling it's probably the fake one. Kirsten, what do you think's fake? I don't know, man, because uh, everyone's just said it. The two that I'm leaning to being fake, I'm in the I want them to be real zone. Yep. Blue Waffles is just so fucking screwy. You know, at this point, I think that it's something about Ryan Reynolds because he just he you know you hear something really fucking screwy, and you've either got Nick Cage or Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> and either way you're like in. Yeah, you're in for a very different experience. Very different. Very different. <laughs> right? It's you know yeah. Blue Waffle. I mean Blue Waffles produced by Luke Cage. Uh, Luke Cage. Wow. Okay. Nick Cage. That's, you know. But <laughs> Luke um, Cage. I like that. Um. Oh shit, guys! All right, I'll throw in on uh, Blue me, Waffles. Me, 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 me. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna Blue Waffle it. I'm waffling. I know. <laughs> the fake one this week was sent to us okay. by. Pat Spurl. Pat Spurl <laughs> and Evan Malik. We have two. two. Oh, shit. It's Moonhaven and, and Blue Haven. Waffles. Moon it Waffles. Is, it is Blue Waffles from Pat. Damn it. And Ready Player Infinite God damn it. from Fuck Evan you Malik. Cunt. God damn Fuck it. Fuck you, Evan. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. All right, you. so Evan, you need to pitch this to Hollywood, okay? Because, you know. I hate cool. you, Evan. You've ruined my week. The, the whole time you were reading the, the synopsis of Moonhaven, I'm just hearing Columbastro's voice going, <laughs> so let me get this straight. It's a, it's a, it's a conspiracy theory slash mystery in space. On the space. moon. <laughs> <laughs> but the moon. in space. Yeah. <laughs> so that means from, from Epics and Moonhaven is actually in development. Wow. All right. Uh. You know, I, I have to, first off, I have to say, Evan, amazing pitch. Uh, I, I, it's his first time he sent us a pitch and out of the park. I, wonderfully put together. Yep. Uh, the second one, uh, Pat warned me when he sent me this one. And he says, you have to use it. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> you couldn't even get through it without This is so laughing. insane. Talk about <laughs> shameless pandering to the... To, to I, I love how we us. thought it was, like, from the very beginning, thought it was fake until you said Ryan Reynolds. Ryan and, then everybody, and then everybody was behind it. It's like, That's oh, okay, fine. yeah, no, this would be no, cool. And, and I just want to warn everybody out there, whatever you do, do not search Blue Waffles in Google. Yeah. Ever. No. Ever, ever, fucking Ever. ever. Ever, ever, ever. Do you Don't have to get a new computer? It. Don't do it. <laughs> wow. You got a you got a incognito mode and and VPN that shit. <laughs> no. If Don't you're gonna, you... going to do the search. Don't you know the rules? You ask Andy for his phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. That's what we do here at Geek Shock. Mm. And so if you have a pitch to send to us, write to us, comments at uglycouchshow.com. Put pitches bitches in the subject heading with the pitch itself in the body. If you don't want me to edit it, let me know. And uh, thank you for joining us and for everyone who's written in. And before we continue, Kirsten, what'd you do this week? Oh, uh, you, you're interested? Yeah. Uh, you sure? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I played some... Bl- 
Gloomhaven. We did, not Moonhaven. I wish it was Moonhaven. I bet you that's going to be after Frosthaven. Because <laughs> we, we, got, we got our moons kicked. We, oh my goodness. Yeah, we failed. Didn't. Failed horribly. Oh, it was. Our, just our, halfway in? or No. Our, our hubris half. on display. You didn't even half. make half? It was like the the everything everything went to shit in the second round. Wow! Just a string of the worst bad luck. Just one action from one monster sent everything off the rails. And of course, they probably and, went first because their number was high or whatever. And yep. TPK'd everything. Oh my god! You uh, loved it though, didn't you? First room. You yes. loved it though, didn't you? It was hideous. I sickeningly loved it. <laughs> Remind me again. But I felt bad. Which characters you guys are playing now? Uh, we can't. Oh, that's right, because they're the unlocked ones. Yes, we that's can't right. reveal it without spoiling Gloomhaven. Who did you people. play out of the first set? I was the brute, the Inox. Okay. And I was the Cragheart. Okay, got it. Which is really funny because I think we had a good, uh, we had a good, um, we had a system going. We had something going, but I, I cruised through some forums and brute Cragnock, Cragnock, Cragheart. Um, working together is not is neither listed as a great combo or a weak one. There's a whole bunch, um, apparently like Tinkerer, Scoundrel is okay. one of the worst or yeah. something. That sounds rough. And uh, yeah, so it, I was looking through that, and I'm like, huh, we're not we're we're not there. But I think we I think we had it. So I'd be very interested in what the opinions. Are of our current pairing because you right. know, we're doing okay, but boy, oh boy, did we get our asses kicked! So when you got when you were able to trade up, how many choices did you have? Without revealing anything, we had like, all the original choices plus the two that were open to us by beating our own personal. Okay, so yes. it's only one. You won't like if you beat, you only get a choice of an additional one. That's right. So just the original grouping and then the one that we unlocked. Yeah, and you have to change. Uh, you have to retire. So when you, uh, what happens in Gloomhaven is when you create a character, there is a random deck of life goals, basically. Right. And when you complete that life goal in the game, whatever that quest is, you must retire the character that you played and choose something else. So now happened? you can go back later and like if you if Kirsten wants to be the Inox again after this character retires. Okay. Uh, he can choose the Inox, but that Inox will get a whole different. It's a new. Got it. It's a new Inox. Yeah. So and you're talking about that card that you pick at the very beginning. Where you, okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. We have to dump, we have to dust off Michael and Hammond. You mean open it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, dude, get the get the sorters because you're going to be hating that game if you don't have the sorting stuff. We were going to go to the place you suggested. Little shop this, magic. Yeah, but we ran out of time this yeah. last weekend. It's it, where you want to spend time in there anyway. Yeah. So. But yeah, you need that. You need that. Because that thing is just utter chaos otherwise. I oh, mean, yeah. Todd spends uh, a ridiculous amount of time setting it up. That's yeah. what's, and, that's what's, and, I'm, I'm kind of scared to open it up just so, because of that. And even more time putting it away. So the friends that we play with in Houston, we do one, like one scenario a game time because it takes a long to set up. And get everybody situated and remember what we were doing and yeah. looking at the options of places we have to go. And yeah. Ta Todd's tablet is pretty much a, a Gloomhaven dedicated uh, uh, machine. Yeah. Gloomhaven and, and. Yeah. If you play Gloomhaven, get Geek Gloomster. Shock. Gloomster is a free app 
for your tablet or your phone, and it replaces the scenario book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Barry so, stopped doing that because he likes to read it himself. And it's, it's, it is the scenario book itself. Everything is exactly there, but what it does a good job of is it puts a fog of war over everything. So until you go into the next room, you don't know what's in that next room. So oh. it, it hides it. So it keeps, because whoever's looking at that scenario book can see the entire map the moment yes. it's open. So, it's, so Barry, you need to do that because I do cheat and look and see where all the treasure what? is. <laughs> you what? You cheat? No. No. I can't believe it. The hell you say. My ears are burning. <laughs> yeah, right. Ranger, my Ranger, uh, what'd you get, Deb? Yes. Uh, I hit him for 80. Hey. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got our asses kicked in Gloomhaven, but then we did a side quest, and we totally cleaned up. Yeah. So Felt that, better about ourselves. After yes, that. we yeah. did. It, it, it was sort of like our Grenada. We, we just we <laughs> oh, went okay. in there okay. and totally wiped up the floor, and uh, we're great again. So, you guys, so. so you're going to wait until you try it again? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Todd, Todd is more sold on the it was a bad sequence of events than I am. Um, and I actually was like, I got a radical idea, Todd. And he's like, all right, what's your radical idea? We play more than one character. And Todd being Todd was like, no. <laughs> so, because that's not how this game is played. Yeah. There you go. See? Well, actually, you, Purist. Can't, you can't play it that way. It you you just, can, but you don't. Yeah, there you go. So. Purist. Um, I, 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 I forgot to I mention agree with Todd on this one. Steve um, yeah you haven't even fucking played it <laughs> no, but if I did I would do the same as yeah, him yeah. do you, you get you one know character that, though. you don't know that because you haven't played yet yeah Okay. wait until that first game when you're like level one and flexing on all the monsters and sure. you think <laughs> it's gonna be easy because all games usually at level one are your introduction yeah, <laughs> yeah. then we'll talk that's right <laughs> Um, Let's see you make it through level one to that first scenario. So we're going to first try. So yeah, we're going to do other scenarios. Yes. Until Steve comes back. Yes. And then jumps in. And then back we'll bring in character. Steve's spell weaver. Right. And try it with three, yeah. so you get more monsters. Yeah. More monsters, but we we think the having the extra firepower of the, the spell dynamic. weaver will help. Yeah, it helps. It helps. It actually it was really fun when we had that Steve uh, Mike night. Yeah. yeah. That the four player was we had a ball yeah yeah I mean, the, well the game we play in houston's four there you and go and i think it's like the perfect because yeah. um the tinkerer even though i know some people say it's weak uh that character has a lot of cards that help at their characters it's, i've read that it's very support yeah. specific yeah so like so. you know we leveled level two one of the cards that um she now has open is another player they get to take all of their lost cards back woof whoa yes woof now you see, Todd. We keep saying four player, but if we were talking four character, mm -hmm. you see, and like my second character was a tinkerer. But that's not no, how the game works. Yeah, don't don't let them bait you in with that. <laughs> don't don't let, let them bait you in. Yes, don't let me lure you. Um, I didn't mention Steve and I didn't mention uh, watch Star Wars most of Star Wars Visions last week. So oh. are those shorts or they? Yes. So how long are they? Like five minutes, ten minutes? Uh, no, a little longer. Ten, fifteen, twenty, you know? They're just, uh, and they're uh, they're cool. Um, the very first one, I would actually recommend skipping that one and saving oh. it for last because that's definitely been my favorite, and it's very different from oh. the others. The others are all different. 
it, it and it's hilarious because they cover all sorts of genres. There's one. It's the rock band genre. Anime has the rock group yeah. genre, and this is a fucking rock band uh, 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 story. It's, I, it's, I accept. It, it's it's ridiculously funny, and then there's also are, the Cantina band. Uh, Come no, on, no, well, oh, but but the Cantina band shows up in a in a scene because. The rock band is playing, and the cantina band is like listening on the radio, and you can also all of them sort of be like, "Oh wow, this is a new sound." Damn, it's very funny. It's very funny. It was really fun because I was watching that episode, and I'm like, "This is I don't know, this is getting kind of stupid." And then when it was like, you know, we gotta play, I was like, "Oh shit, God Almighty!" It was very funny. So, but um, visually, a lot of them are looking similar, but they're attacking those different genres. And the first one, Ronin, is very visually different. Um, I don't know why they chose it first. I haven't finished it, so I haven't finished the run of uh, shorts. So maybe there's something that happens at the end where the the first one kind of makes it all work or something. But I would actually say. Save that one for last, because I really like that. And apparently, that's a book. No. Star Wars Visions Ronin is actually a novel, Okay, I think. You're talking about like samurai, right? Yes. Yeah. Because this guy is, uh, yeah, you're not quite sure. Is he Jedi? Now, you say book. Is it like a novel or like a manga? uh, Dude, I'm thinking I thought I saw a novel. Hmm. But I I didn't look deep into it, but I just like passed passed it by. So Star Wars Vision, a book by Emma Mieko Kandem. Okay, so yeah, October 2021. Oh, I like this opening sentence. A mysterious former Sith. It came out in October 2021, huh? So it's coming out. It's, it's coming out. Hmm. So, yes, a novel. There you go. Italian. And it's a novel, not manga or It is. It's a novel. Comic? Huh. Yeah, it says book. Novel. All right. So, um, I definitely recommend Visions. If you're an anime fan, I think you're going to enjoy it because I think you're going to stumble across. You're going to see inside. I mean, I'm like, God, are they going to do a harem episode? <laughs> that's just that's insane that it, it and it could, it happen. could happen yeah it could happen it is kind of insane on that level there is there are also a few others uh there's a story where they're trying to deal with the aftermath of um uh, the wiping out of the jedi and stuff like that there's an interesting approach because it's very it, these are all japanese creators so it's a very Japanese spin, not just anime, but Japanese cultural or folkloric spin. And they spin. take all of them take place like at random times through the timeline, or are they yes. all around the same time? No, they're 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 all over the place. Wow, they're all over the place. There's one. Have to give it a shot. After Order sixty fifty six. I love Order fifty six. I yeah. think I think that's the Whopper. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> it's not the Blue Waffles one. But <laughs> no, no, bacon, it's not. Do not uh, order fifty six if that's what it is. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's interesting because there's a man who decides you know, who is making lightsabers for Jedi, 
which is really interesting because in the story of Star Wars, the Jedi make their own yes, lightsaber. Right. Passage. Yeah, it, it's a rite of so passage, it's like exactly. Old so, so this, this, well, it's it's very Japanese to have a swordsmith. It's very Japanese to have a, a, a dedicated sword maker who actually makes exceptional blades. So I looked at that. Now, on the one hand, I'm like, well, that's not how that works. But on the other hand, I'm like, this is very it, Japanese. Yeah. I like that kind of flavor for that. So, um, and it actually does a little explanation thing um, relating to Jedi and lightsabers going forward. That could be interesting. So, so yeah, I definitely recommend Star Wars Visions. Take a look at that. Uh, Steve and I also watched White Zombie, which was... Oh, the um, original, wow. Yes, uh, a Bela Lugosi um, joint. It's so bizarre. It is bizarre. It's a definite B-movie, but it's really interesting because Lugosi actually has good moments in that. And and uh, it I suggested it to Steve because when he was on Inside the Actor's Studio, Martin Landau was just like, when you look at Lugosi like in White Zombie, and the whole audience laughed. And he was like, no, 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 seriously. And so I was like, we got to watch this to see what he was talking about. And there are little bits and pieces that Lugosi does. Actually, um, he actually has more to do than he does in Dracula in this one. And you see more of him as an actor, which was interesting. But it's a definite B-horror movie you are not seeing one of the universal classics. Nope. Um, it's, it's a bit of a slog, too. Yes. Because oh, it's got that classic early 20th century yeah. filmmaking. Let's build to it. Each scene is just a tad too long. Yeah. Like, could have been trimmed down. Oof, oof. But... But um, it was interesting watching Lugosi. It is also a fascinating study about the early days of sound movies, too, because you're looking at it and you're going, okay, so this is where a lot of the, this is the kind of things that would inform modern movie making techniques like moving the camera and, yeah. um, you know, you're, there were, there were you're the, starting to establish like your, your, your close-ups, your medium shots, there your was wide a, there's shots. There's a shot, there's, there's one shot, Steve and I were like, oh, look at them getting all jiggy with it, because it's... <laughs> It's, it's zoom in, like zoom I, out. I'm, oh, I'm sitting up uh, for the viewers out there. I'm sitting opposite Matt. Now imagine if I'm standing right, and I have my right arm on my hip crooked open. Right, the camera's behind me. It's on my back, and then it slowly focuses through my arms on Matt's face. And and Steve and I were like, "Wow, that's yep. some tricks there." Go go early twentieth century <laughs> cinema, and it pans away. Right. And then you do the scene, and when the scene ends, the camera goes back to that spot, and then focuses in and closes on the. When was this what film would made? Be my Jesus, forties? Uh, I no, no, no like thirties, like I think. This it, yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna want to say uh, early thirties, if not late twenties. But it was it's it's old. Nineteen thirty-two. There you go. It's wow. old. So so it was interesting. But uh, it's also interesting because, um, you know, this isn't the George Romero zombies. These are more the, 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 the traditional yeah. voodoo zombies. Yeah, yes, the, the, exactly voodoo zombies. The, the mindless slave types. You're not even... Use of, uh, use of uh, medicinals to turn yeah. them into zombies, right, essentially. Right, right. And uh, so, interesting. Okay, okay, so knowing that, uh, the question I have is, 
did Steve actually say, look him get jiggy with it? Did he say that? No, I <laughs> said that. Oh, okay, okay. I said, I was like, Steve, Steve look went, at him. Steve went, oh. Yes, yes. I said, Steve, look at him getting jiggy with it. And Steve was just like, mmm. So... Um, was and, it filmed at the Luxor? <clears throat> yeah. And then the uh, the last thing I did was I watched Train to Busan Presents Peninsula. Oh, wow. Which How is, is the that? sequel to Train to Busan. It's not as good as the first one. It is not as good as okay. the first one. Um, I've seen it. It actually... Funny you never brought it up on the show. Because <clears throat> he never yeah. remembers it. Well, he, he never... He, he didn't do anything this week. <laughs> <laughs> or the last week or the week that he watched this or, mm-hmm. but um it's kind of weird because it's army of the deadish in that it's a heist plot involving the dead thing basically they've solved the zombie issue by closing off the southern part of the korean peninsula and not letting anybody off but they send some people back in to grab a load of cash and then they also and while they go in they encounter the zombies but they also encounter the people who were left behind and the life and the world that they've created um it gets kind of wacky there's a little battle royale-ish to it um and also uh towards the end he got in uh took they took some cues from mad max fury road because it definitely had a lot of vehicular crazy going on. So it's not as good as the first, but it is, I think, watchable, I think. And I enjoyed it. All right. So. All right. And uh, again, thank you for those who wrote in. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. And Deb. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Boy, oh boy. And Chris, really. Lobster yeah. candy. Fuck you in the face. I didn't even see this. On the side of the box, it actually says, Briny, sweet, tasty, buttery, world's finest crustacean confection. Kind of nailed it. That's yeah. kind of the description yeah. of what yeah. it tasted yeah. like. Yeah, well, at least it's honest. <laughs> Fuck you, Evan. Crushing my dreams. <laughs>